Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Got Nate and Micah here. What's up, bud? I don't like it. Why? I don't know. I just don't like it. I just switched it up a little. A little bit. We'll go with it because I am... You don't want to start over, huh? I am done. <laughs> it is freaking... You are tired. 12, 11, dude. I'm tired. Which Not means <laughs> which means our guest which, got done at one eleven. I know. I feel bad time. for him. I feel bad for him. But, dude, it was such a good time talking to him, hearing the story, and then we bullshitted for another however long after. So we've just been, you know. Talking. These, yeah. Gross. We've been talking since 8 o'clock, essentially. Yeah. 8.30, I guess it was, yeah. was when we started. But, no, nah, lots of good stuff. Uh, but that's, to get into today's that's, show. That's the podcast game. Yeah, it is. It is. I love it. It's a fun game. I love it. It's just hard on me for the next day. Especially, we record tomorrow night also. I know, and, and that, one's know gonna, that one's going to be a late night. It's going to be rough tomorrow, yeah. but that's all right. We're about to be on vacation for a little while, so I got to, you know. Got a treat for you all today. Yep. It's a decently long show, so we're gonna today we have Aaron Blisey with the Fall Podcast on. Dude, yes. It was great. Really good show. Really good show. Um, if you folks listening to us do not know who Aaron is, crawl out from under your rock. Yep. Go subscribe to his show and listen. Uh, he's been around for a long time, you know, five years or so. I've been listening to him for a long time. Um, he did a show. I talk about it in our show, but he did a show with actually technically working class bow hunter before he released his about a buck he killed last year named Super Six. Yep, or nickname Super Six, and the story itself is one that took me through a lot of emotions, up and down, up and down. It, it was a roller coaster. There you go, roller coaster emotions. I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> uh, what that's off of? It's uh, Ron Burgundy, bro. I'm trapped in a get. Where are you, Ron? I'm trapped in a glass case oh, yeah, of emotion. Okay, okay. okay. they you. killed Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what the hell was I saying? <laughs> Talking about his Super Six. Uh, yeah, so uh, he he comes on and we talk about other shit too, but we talk about the story of Super Six and just uh, basically how uh, perse- perseverance, he was very, what's the word? 
he he was very uh, patient, headstrong in in, yeah, in yeah, finding this because it took like forty eight hours by the end of it. Yeah, to recover this deer. Yeah, most a lot of people quit by then, and this is just proof that you know you really need to think about what what it is you where you shot the deer, all this stuff. So that's what we talk about today. Getting ready to start it. Let's get to these sponsors real quick. Yep. Starting off, we got Camo Fire. Everybody knows. Well, everybody needs to know about this. It's, it's midnight. I'm not checking it. Yeah. It's a great app. Uh, if you guys are looking for gear and you're trying to find a special uh, you know, special product, it might come up and you might get a really good deal. Right now, they got Hawk Stance on. One of them's 38% off, 57% off. Yeah. You know, that sort of I thing. I said I wasn't going to get on it, but I did yeah, anyway. Yeah, you did. But they got all kinds. They got of, all kinds of tree stands right now. Looks like, yeah, so tree stands, tree stand uh, equipment, some muddy, whatever. But uh, um, and then Black Ovis, man. Yeah, uh, Black Ovis. Uh, Andy, a- Andy went through. He was getting nervous about, and I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow. But he screwed up his arrows, so instead of redoing his, he went through Black Ovis and did I don't the think he arrow. Screwed ID. anything up? I think he put the wrong. Uh, Helical. helical yeah. yeah so he didn't screw it up but that's gonna affect things sure so he put the wrong helical he obviously we're in a time crunch we're getting ready to leave for our elk trip so he uh he was able to get on black ovis get those arrow ids uh and if you want you can save yourself 10 percent doing that uh mww10 for 10 percent. so uh huntworth gear love those guys couldn't say enough. <laughs> I was trying to remember what I said. I think all they're the time. still. Uh, by the way, I think they're still having a thirty percent sale. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it, all the ladies out there, they came out with the tarnin in yep. in ladies. Uh, it's a lady. Lady sizes, I guess you call it. I don't know. Yeah, whatever you want to say. <laughs> lady sizes. But no, we're. Uh, I mean, we're going to be taking that stuff out west with us. Check uh, them out. Yeah, huntworthgear.com. Yep, 15% you off. can use the code MWW15 for 15% off, but like I uh-huh. said, I don't know if by the time you hear this, they were running a 30% sale, so uh, don't use our code. Go save double. Right. Alps Outdoors. Uh, sp- speaking of 30% off, use the code WOODSWATER with them, and you will get 30% off. I might have effed up. Why? Because I got a cot from Alps. Yeah, it's freaking huge. <laughs> it's like it's like almost like a twin size bed. Yeah. Like size wise, it's huge. I love it. You guys are gonna hate it, but I love the thing, dude. It's yeah. awesome. Like, why do you have to make everything hard? <laughs> That's what I want to know. You could have just picked the cot you wanted and said, but no, you you said, Kyle, you decide. Yeah, I gave and Kyle a nice guy. And Kyle hooked me up, I and was he like, gave you a freaking queen size bed. <laughs> I ain't mad at him. I ain't mad. So they also just came out with their new elite pack. I really want to get my hands on one of those. I don't think we're gonna get our hands on them before yeah, we leave. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen, but that's but, all right. Uh check uh, those out too. Also, something else. Uh Zimberland boots. Huge, huge fan. I love them. They've massaged my feet every time I take a step. It's just like kittens tickling your feet. It's just they're great, man. I haven't had I've me personally, I haven't had a boot that um, feels are we going to take a day off this week or next to go do some workout at our properties? I, just, I don't know when we're going to have the time. Because I'm going to need to break those boots in that I just bought. You haven't worn those yet? No. Yeah, you need to start wearing them. No shit. I just said that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so. ZamberlandUSA.com. Check them out. Last yep. but not least, Dustin with Habitat Works. Dustin's been doing a lot of work lately. I've seen it all over his Instagram. Yeah, he's been staying really busy, so that's awesome. 
So uh, if you guys are looking to do some timber management, some forestry mulching, prescribed fire, any type of land management, uh, he's the one to call. He's wealth of knowledge. Uh, he'll be able to help you out. Uh, his number is 816-752-7390. Or you can email him at habitatworksllc at gmail.com. So, and if you mention this, you can save yourself 15% off any of those services. I just sat back and let you have that one. Well, Boom. Mic drop. Super proud. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. And everybody be ready for the, for the uh, return of somebody next week. You say it, and now it's not going to happen. No, it better. It He's better. fired. Can we fire him? Can no, we do that? I'm not going to fire him. I don't think we can. Kind of like if you try to cut off your like, why would you want to cut off your own arm? You know, because my arm don't. You just freaking put, show you up. Just, <laughs> just put, it, just put it in a cast. <laughs> but we got the return of Andy next week, folks. Yep. Um, hey, real quick before we, I forgot to mention this. I want to give a little bit of news. October thirteenth through sixteenth at the Mark Twain National Forest, um, there is a ladies' deer camp put on by Artemis Missouri and the National Deer Association. I don't know anything else other than that. I shared it on our uh, Instagram and Facebook, I don't know, a month ago, and then deleted everything. I got emailed. So if you want to find out more information, just, uh, I don't know, Google Artemis or the National Deer Association and ask about it. But, ladies, there's a ladies' deer camp. It's October 13th through 16th uh, at the Mark Twain National Forest. And it does say limited spots are available. So figure that out. Just wanted to make sure everybody knew about it. Okay, I got the news out of the way. All righty. Let's do it. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. <laughs> Did you just ask as a question? I can't remember. Dude, I'm so brain dead. I didn't know if I was supposed to do that. The intro I am yet. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I am Ron Burgundy. All right, I guess I'll let you have it. Let's, Let's do go. it. Okay. With us tonight, uh, we've got the pleasure of talking with Aaron Blysey of the Fall Podcast. Aaron, what's up, man? Not too much, fellas. Thanks for getting my last name right, man. Nobody can ever get that thing right. <laughs> That's just proof that I listen to you. I just know hey, right. how your name is. Uh, heard it enough. You know? Yeah, I've heard it enough. Yep. I appreciate that, fellas. Thank you for having me on and drinking a couple oat sodas tonight. And can't wait to bullshit with you guys. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm a... Once again, I, I do a lot of podcast listening, and I've been a, a fan of yours for a long time. So it's it's cool to get to talk to you. I've actually had this particular topic circled for almost at a year now. Um, <laughs> and uh, no joke, I guarantee you I could open my notes, and it will be number two, I think. So yeah, I can there. finally delete it. Um, so we're, we're excited to talk to you, especially on this topic. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this bit of information but before we do get into that uh why don't you introduce yourself tell the listeners what the fall podcast is about and uh you're in michigan so we're not going to talk about what your favorite thing about missouri is unless you hunt here often i you know i actually have in the past uh 2016 17 and 18 i hunted missouri pretty hard was fortunate enough to kill some good bucks in northern missouri but i haven't been back since i had 
actually had a kid in, in 2017 and that kind of put a kibosh to my Missouri trip. So those little shits um, do that, at, don't they? <laughs> they do. Now she's, uh, she'll be five in 10 days. So as we're recording this, so well, hopefully, pre- uh, you'll just be able to bring I'll her down here. Back. Yeah. You'll just be <laughs> well, able to hey, bring her down there with yep. you. If that's an open invite from you guys to hunt some of your land, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down, bud. <laughs> she, uh, I'll tell you, is that your first? I can't remember. My first and only, yeah. Yeah. Don't blink, man. My daughter is starting high school this year. Holy crap, so, dude. Yeah. Don't blink. Wow. It, it'll go quick, man. Yeah, it's fast. I got a lot of little boys to worry about. That's what I'm worried about, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got I got two daughters. I have a – my oldest is a girl, and then I got a boy that's – my oldest is eight. Uh, my son's four. He'll turn five November. And then I have a newborn – well, she's just over a year old now, another little girl and nice yeah i'm gonna have to beat a lot of little kids' asses i think yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> yep. that or yep, that or get sure. her cousins luckily yeah. he's his oldest is a girl but then the rest are boys so and they're around okay. the same age and be like hey i'm gonna need yeah. you to keep an eye out out there that's what so pisses me off so i've got four children aaron yeah and i've got three boys and a girl but the three boys are all younger than their sister i wish it was like the other way around so all that she could around. have the three older brothers but it's yep. not how it worked. So, um, yeah, just one kid for me. I can go into kind of what you said there. I kind of derailed a little bit. But that's all no, right. Um, yeah, the fall podcast is. I'm uh, I'm in year six now of podcasting. It doesn't even seem like it's been that long, man. But uh, actually, yeah, year six. I believe it is. I was getting mixed up when it is, but um, started in 2018, and um, you know my passion has always been whitetails and. I just wanted, honestly, what happened was when my daughter was born, like I did a lot of other hobbies and played a lot of slow pitch softball and, you know, was pretty serious with it, traveled and, and did that, I was, you know, big into athletics and, and I knew things were going to have to take the back burner. So I wanted to find something to replace that and something I could do from home, you know, in my own time something I really loved, you know, was whitetails and, and talking about whitetails and everything. And, you know, like we just talked about off record, you know, you guys, you know, listen to wired to hunt. And I think everybody did, you know, that's Mark was the, he's the OG, you know, he was the mm-hmm. one that, you know, first to the space basically. And in my eyes, and I did the same thing, man. And, and I really just, I got to the point where, you know, I didn't listen to music a lot and I, I was driving, you know, 45 minutes to work one way every day and was like you know this this filled a void and i'm like you know what probably like every podcast out there like i could do that you know what i mean i like the bullshit and you know i feel like i have a little bit of white tail knowledge and i could do that why not give it a try you know and uh i'll tell you what it started out like it was like really hard to do you know it's it's hard like in podcasting what you guys know like consistency is key you know if you miss a week you miss a year in my opinion um you know, especially early on, like I right. didn't start getting traction until probably year three, you know, th- year three and a half, like is when it was really like really started catching on. And now it's just, you know, it's, it's feeding off itself. And I'm glad, like, I've got a huge support group, like everybody that follows me in the podcast, like I can't thank them enough. And you guys included, you know, being listeners of it and like that's the cool thing and you know i just i don't know i just love doing it it's a big passion it's something i can literally do from right here drinking a beer and um you know have a lot of fun doing it so that's 
that's kind of my podcast it, but you know my my work my nine to five i've been for the 11 years i've been a field producer in the outdoor industry so i've filmed and edited a, a lot of different tv shows um over the last 11 years i'm still doing it it's still my nine to five i love doing it um kind of trying to back off on the travel a little bit more because i've been traveling all over the world for you know 10 almost 11 years and just kind of want to back off a little bit i really take pride more in like the edit side of things and putting a story together on the computer i really enjoy that um so yeah that's kind of me in a nutshell man yeah well and you know uh you're 100 correct i mean not to continue on this this but boat but i mean i've been listening to you since you basically started and it, it's it's really cool to uh what we love about our podcast is we've got to meet some really cool people, both industry folks, quote unquote, and just average Joe's average Joe's quote unquote, sure. which I hate saying those two things. But, um, if we're going to label people, there we go. Um, we've got to meet people that we have would have never have met otherwise because we're just, we're just hunters. Like that's just what we did. We're not huge on social media. Um, we don't do, you know, like, I'm not the most outgoing person in public. So like, I'm not going to go to the Iowa deer classic and try to meet all these big people. I'd probably like this last year. <laughs> we went to the, I no shit. Tell you a funny story, I guess. First rabbit hole alert. Aaron, yeah. Aaron is experiencing his first rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we go to the Iowa deer classic, me, Andy and Micah, we drive up on Saturday. We get there at like nine in the morning something like that something yeah, like that pretty early and by five o'clock we're like you guys ready to drive back down home <laughs> like we're done <laughs> we've had enough people <laughs> yeah like we we say and i don't do crowds very well i just like kind of you know being by myself to be honest with you yeah well that's why like kurt and his crew working class man i i have so much respect for them having like all the different shows they do every year i don't know how like physically they even do it first off um, and then just like the amount of people they have got to talk to at those shows. Cause we met them at Iowa oh. and, you know, like I said, hi to Kurt for two seconds. And I think we talked to Ross for a little while, maybe but then all. there was a line of a hundred people yeah. behind us wanting to do the same thing. And I'm just like, man, mm-hmm. that, that would get good. old after like an hour, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. I talked to Kurt not too long ago. We were bullshitting on the phone. He called me one day and it was like right after the show season ended for them or actually I think they got one more coming up still. But um I said, How's the show season going? He goes, Dude, we are gonna cut her back next year and I'm <laughs> like, I don't blame you and you know, and I'm not nowhere near, you know, the size of working class and they they're OGs too, man. Yeah. I mean, right there with Mark and Mark Kenyon. But like I kinda got a little taste of it this year up at TAC in Michigan. It was kind of one of those things like, you know, not on the scale they are, but it's different. It's a different feeling, man. And it's a feeling I I mean it's cool, but it's it's not cool. Like I don't I just want to be like everybody else. I'm I'm everybody else. I'm not I'm yeah. no different than any of you guys. You know right. what I mean? Like like I don't, you know, yeah. I don't want to claim to be that. And you know, it's just just because I can talk into a, a mic and everybody else can do that. If you want to, you want a podcast with me, hit me up. You know yep. what I mean? Like, right. it's just bullshit. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. It's just talking. Yeah. It is interesting All though, is. because we've had some, some awesome guests, you know, it is interesting though. You can be talking to them and everything's normal. And as soon as you put that headset on and hit the record button, 
everything yep. changes. Like everything changes. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yep. don't even, th- you know, don't even pretend you have anything on. Yeah. Uh, it kind of yep. takes you back to like your first one you did almost. Oh, we sounded so terrible. Right. <laughs> we oh, still dude. do. I, I started out in a, in a closet in my old house, like with pillows around my head. Yeah, I swear, you go back and listen to the first 15, 20 episodes, it sounds like I'm so monotone and so like I don't want to wake my baby up that's in the other room. So it's like <laughs> I'm in a closet. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it is. It is funny. Yeah, we finally got like a studio. Like we got this cool table. We got this cool yep. sign made by our buddy. Like we finally feel like we're actually – we're getting there. Getting there. I like that sign. That's sick. A friend of ours, Red's cool. Custom Metalwork, right here in, in our hometown, made this for us, and uh, That's sweet. it he did it he did it for free. Uh, didn't ask us for anything, and uh, even did the LED backlights. And um, he's he's just started that business, and so it's uh, I'm sending as many people I can his way. But that's yeah, we're excited about it. But that's cool, man. Yeah, when we first started, we were huddled around a. You know those card tables that everybody gets when they get married? Oh, yeah. The card table and four chairs? Yeah. Yep. That's what we started with. And we did make one smart decision. We went and bought our good audio equipment right off the bat. Yeah. And just bit the bullet on that instead of, you know, trying to huddle around the, the Mac or whatever. and Yeah, do it yep. over the phone or something. Yeah. So we did make yep. one good decision. That was probably the only one, right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today's show... We're we're going to get to the Super Six. The story of the Super Six with Aaron is one of my favorite stories because of the thinking it made me do back then, and even like tonight again. It, I'm doing all this thinking. Um, the Super Six. We're not. No one's being surprised by this. If you listen to Aaron, you're already going to know this. If you don't, you need to go and listen to two shows, in my opinion. Also, after you listen to ours. Episode 483 on Working Class bow hunter. Aaron was on with them and talks about, well, all kinds of shit, but mm-hmm. that also. And then his episode 188 on his show, The Fall Podcast, um, where he specifically talks about um, the Super Six. One of my, I, I'll call it one of my favorite stories in the whitetail world because of the way it made me uh, self-reflect. And as we get into the this, this story, it will it'll definitely make sense what I'm talking about um when i listen to it and then just the badassness of the story itself the hunt and and all that uh but what's crazy is super six this was last year you killed him 2021 correct yep yep that was the third buck you killed that year yep and the smallest right and the smallest up to if that you, date if you're going by score <laughs> if you're yeah. going by inches yeah, yeah we're going by inches. Yep. not that yep. that matters yep. but so okay, yeah, he was the third one I killed, and and I think I had, I don't know, at that time I think I was nine or ten sits into the season. It was the third buck I killed. Yeah, those yeah. are really good odds. What, who <laughs> I mean, was it? That was amazing. <laughs> who was it on working class that did the math? They're like, you're averaging a kill every two sits. Austin did. <laughs> Austin. Yeah. And, well, and what had happened to two is I'd have to really go back and look, but I sat thirteen times last year and I killed three bucks. But one in eleven of those sits, I saw a buck um, that I would shoot, uh, whether it be out of state. I mean, I hunted Illinois and Ohio and Michigan. What the funny thing was is is right after I killed that deer in Michigan, I had one more Michigan tag. I went out. I think it was like November 9th on a whim. Um, a buddy that I hunt with, he kind of gave me. He's like, dude, I got a, a decent deer on trail cam down on a piece of our our family farm. He's like, I just go throw a sit at it. 
and uh, kind of went down there. I had yet to sit this farm in almost two years, did a hang and hunt, and I had like a 120-inch nine-pointer come um, in between two bedding areas, and I, I threw everything but the kitchen sink at him, man, and he would not come any closer. I was 40 yards off and, and couldn't get him killed, but I'm like, man, I, I had to pinch myself after that. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? to where it, this is just clicking, you know, and watch this year. I probably won't even see a shooter <laughs> <laughs> who knows. Right. But dude, you're playing with house money for a few years. Right. Honestly, I mean, so. you, hey. you can ride that way for a little while. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. Uh, yeah. so you went, okay. So let me get my timeline. Correct. Right before super six, you killed the Ohio buck. Am I, am I right? Yep. Yep. I- Illinois was right. Okay. And then Illinois was the first one. Yep. October 13th. I killed him. So, uh, those well, those stories were really cool too. I mean, so in the working class uh, bow hunter episode that you did with them, you talk about all three of those those bucks. Yep. Um, I, what I loved about the Ohio buck was just I don't know. It kind of makes me laugh. Like looking back, you're like, you know, all I see was him turn his head and go to leave. In all actuality, like it kind of reminds me of the buck I just told you the story of when I thought he jumped out yep. into the ditch. He was dying right there in front of you. And, you know, your mind is just playing tricks on you. At least that's what I'm, like, envisioning when you say that, right? Yeah. Uh, so that had to feel, like, really good when you walked up to him. And he was just right there. <laughs> yeah, that was my Illinois deer. And honestly, he – Okay, I got that backwards. Him, no, you're good. You're good. I knew what you are talking about. But after I shot him, he ran off with his tail up. Yep. And, like, just bounded off. And it's on my YouTube channel. You can see how he reacted. And he ran for about, I don't know, 50, 55 yards. And he stopped behind an autumn olive bush. And he just kind of like was looking around. And then all of a sudden he was gone. And I'm like, and I'm looking through a little LCD screen because I was filming myself. And I'm like, man, did, did he die right there? Did he just go up the hill or something? And, you know, when I went back to the truck, a uh, buddy of mine, Ben, um, I was hunting with him. And he comes and he's like looking at the looking at the shot and look at the reaction he's like ab that deer is dead right there and i'm like dude there's he kept telling no, he's me like not. that deer's dead there right there and you know and i'm like there's no way there's no way you know and then when we walked up there i'm like yeah he was dead in a wedge right there man and it was crazy and that goes to a testament to like the broadhead i started shooting last year too and um i went to a fixed blade a helix single bevel and honestly i heard you know the hunting public guys talk about pastors and when you get a pass a lot of times the deer just don't even know what happened yeah that deer had no idea what had happened and he ran off like oh man i just heard something go on and like you know and then all of a sudden it was like oh uh, yeah what's this and then he's like done and i'm like yep that's exactly what happened you know yeah funny you should say that because i yeah i went back and listened to this these episodes today in preparation for tonight just because I did. Why not? Yep. And uh, it, the biggest mind screw was you talking about broadheads because I just made a change this year from, I've been shooting iron wheel uh, fixed blades. Now yep. I chose the double bevels when I originally bought those and kind of regretted not getting the singles. I have no reason to, to go away from them. Um, they, I haven't shot an animal with them yet. I only started using them last year. The, the only reason I've thought about going away from them is because they're freaking $40 a piece and I'm just like scared to use them. They're just so expensive. Um, yep. that I, I switched to, at least I think I'm going to, I already bought them. I've never shot a mechanical in my life and I just bought some sever 1.5s 
um, that I've done a boatload of research on, and Andy actually switched to them last year. Had really good luck with them. And passed through a shoulder, opposite shoulder, with the mechanicals. And so um, I thought about switching to those this year, and then, of course, I heard you talking about your, your Helix, and I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't yeah. do this. <laughs> Dude, I, I went from a mechanical. I come from the mechanical side of things. I shot Rage for, like, you know, since, like, 2008. Mm-hmm. And never had, an, never had a reason to change. Uh, I think I lost one or two deer with a rage and it was all shot placement high shoulder right you know something like that and um you know a buddy of mine bryant lyon he's the marketing director at abb america's best bowstrings and helix and he's like dude i just want to send you up some broadheads we're going to acquire this company um try them out you know no no monetarily you know no um what you might call it, a partnership or anything like that just mm-hmm. like try them out try them out in the yard I shot them in and like they were flying. I had to tweak them a little bit. They flew great. And I'm like, you know what? I've been wanting to get to a, a fixed blade. Why not try it? And dude, I don't know if I'll go back to yeah. anything else. Like it's just, it, it almost takes you that little bit to get over the hump. And it's like, you know, I, in my Ohio deer, I a full frontal. I mean, you, that arrow went you know, six inches. It came out his whole body and it came out six inches between his legs on the backside. It's like, you know, yeah. I, I'm shooting 63 pounds or 64 pounds. I'm like, you know, I'm not a big guy. So it's, it checked all the boxes for me. Yeah. So no. And that's, I mean, we had uh, I don't know if you know who he is, but we had on a guy named John Lusk with Lusk archery adventures. Yep. yep. He does boat, uh, uh, broadhead testing. Yeah. I just watched his review on the helix. Yeah. And yep. he's as scientific as you could possibly like test a broadhead. He does he tests everything the same way. That's what I like about what John does. Yep. John's a super nice guy. I actually called him right before I made this purchase and I said, "Okay, John. The reason why I was thinking about making a switch to uh mechanicals Seven. is because I don't know if this is more work than I should be giving myself, but essentially when I shoot a fixed blade, every single one of my fixed blade broadheads gets numbered. And then I will marry that blade to a, an arrow. It Once I find, okay, this one, you know, flies well, that arrow is numbered, and so is that broadhead, and they correlate, and I'm really OCD about that crap. Yep. So, like, if I go and lose an arrow while we're doing a 3D shoot, it totally Fs up <laughs> everything I'm, you know, doing. Yep. Which is typically when I don't. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> I'm like, if I did a mechanical setup and I got something that, you know, flies like a field point, I don't have to do that anymore. It would be so, you know, freeing and all this stuff. So I, I talked to John and what I liked about the severs is, you know, a lot of mechanicals aren't made with maybe like the most quality material compared to a right. lot of high end fixed blades. But the severs really are. They're made with, you know, A2 steel, I believe. And, they're made with high-end material, um, and his testing of them just, like, I think he shot them through the cinder block still, and they, yeah, they held it, up. I think it went, like, five times through it, and it still or held the, up. the steel plate. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but, but um, so he he's like, man, I still love those things. Like, they get really, they do really well, and so I, I bit the bullet and bought a couple of them. And Nice. I've never shot a mechanical. I've never even owned a mechanical before this year. <laughs> yep. And then I shouldn't have listened to you talk about that Helix because now I'm like, shit, maybe I should just stick with these these uh, these iron wheels, uh, even though I just lost two arrows. 
<laughs> so Last now you're weekend. all screwed up. Now your yeah. numbers are all messed up. Well, if you want to try them out, I know a guy. So there you go. Help you out nice man. That, so, um, but yeah, so. Aaron had one hell of a year last year, period. Uh, especially in 13 damn sits. Like, that's a year you'll never see again, honestly. Nope. I mean, if you do, you might you might start playing the lottery if if that's the case because that that is just one amazing year for anybody. And, yeah. uh, you know, you killed three amazing deer. Um, but specifically, we're going to talk about Super 6 um, for multitude of reasons. But before we do, um, on so you shot he he was killed in Michigan. Yep. Um, we're you know at your home farm now, uh, essentially. So, yep. tell us a little bit about the property, like you hunt there. You know, approximately like how big and kind of like the layout and what you're able to try to do. You know, what your kind of strategy is, I guess there. And then we'll kind of get into your the story of your story yep. with him. Yeah, for sure. So where I shot him is where I, I just built my house. Um, my brother-in-law owns the farm. He's a, he was a dairy farmer. Um, last fall, they got out of dairy farming, but now they're strictly cash crop um, in custom farming. He bought the farm in 2015, I believe it was, and I've hunted it ever since. He's not a hunter. Um, my wife hunts it as well with me. And it's a, it consists of a, a long 80 that I live on. And then across the road from my house, he owns a 40. Um, so it's 120 acres, but total on this 120, he's only got five acres of timber. Now across the road from my house, there is what basically is about four acres of timber continuous on it. And then the famous, everybody calls it the famous one acre is behind my house um, where I, I've I've yet to kill a deer out of it, but, um, it's, it's a pretty magical one acre. It's really hard to hunt. Um, but the, the camera pictures I get in that thing, uh, during season and it's, it's very, what, what I mean by hard is it's like, you can only throw about three or four sits at it a year or, and it's gotta be the right, you almost gotta, you almost gotta catch them. Like you gotta be there to catch them. It's really difficult, but anyway, it's, it's all farm ground where I'm at. I mean, you look out behind my house and with a spotter, I can see two miles, you know, but there might be wooded fence rows, you know, breaking up some of those fields. Yeah. Um, I live on a dirt road and I'm the only person that lives on it. Uh, actually, there's a, an older gal that's a, a Mennonite that lives down the north end and she's on the corner and that's it. Um, and I look to the west of my house, there is you know, there's a four acre patch of timber and then on the neighbors, there's another four acre patch. And then on the neighbors, you know, there's a, there's like a five acre patch and then there's another five acre patch. And in between, it's like all posted stamp, posted stamp, like pieces of timber. And Mm -hmm. that basically is like in my, uh, so my mile, a mile that way. So like, I'm going to say like three, at least three square miles around me. That's how it lays out. It's very flat. Um, you get these gradual rollers. Um, not, I mean, you can see your dog run away for a day, <laughs> stand on a beer can. You can see him run for two. So, um, I would need to stand on a cake, but, you <laughs> <yeah>. know, whatever. <laughs> that, uh, that's kind of, kind of the gist of, yeah. of the land that, uh, and honestly, um, I love, I grew up hunting big timber. Um, and then 15 was the first time I started hunting like farm country. 
I felt I fell in love with this farm country stuff, and because I like to see deer, I yeah. like to see deer. I like to see how they act and maneuver. I like trying to make moves on a deer, um, and I I feel like I learn more from a deer's perspective and how to pattern a deer in in farm country. And I try to um, I try to you know marry that to the big woods, like my family farm, 15 minutes away from here my family farm is all timber and that's what I grew up hunting. So, huh. um, that's kind of the gist of where I'm at. So a bunch of like small, small patches of timber spread throughout mm-hmm. farm ground. I mean, that's kind of a lot of like what we hunt. I mean, yeah, but our timber seems to be a little bigger, bigger but in areas, you know, you'll just have sure. I mean, kind of like one of the farms I hunt. There's almost no timber on it, but if you technically look at it, there's two patches Right on each end, yeah, and yeah. that's where I've killed both big deer out of. Like it kind of makes sense when you think of it. Um, yep. And you're right; it's it's fun to see deer, which when you can see further. I mean, at the same time, it can be aggravating when they're 150 yards away from you and there's nothing you can do about it. Very um, aggravating. It's almost like yeah. I'd rather not see you at all, you son of a bitch. But yeah, you know. Um, yep. It is what it is. I mean, even this deer, I saw him the day before I killed him. Uh, and I couldn't do anything about it. Uh, but anyways, yeah. um, okay. So super six, you, you knew that deer for quite a few years, right? For at least two. I know, I know that two years. Yeah. Yep. Um, could have been a third year. So I did, I actually did get the official age back on him last week. He was three and a half. Where did you send um, that to deer age? Deer. Okay. I've used, yep. They're out of Misiola, Montana. I've sent all my stuff there since 2018. Um, they're from what i can see they're pretty darn accurate but um i finally got those back i thought he was going to be four and a half just by body size and demeanor and how he and how he worked or how he acted but he was came back at three and a half which i didn't really care um but isn't like i mean i'm not i've never hunted michigan personally i've just heard stories isn't that kind of an old deer up there pretty much yeah if if it is you know and um i shot one deer in 18 on this farm that i thought i'm almost positive he was four and a half when i shot him uh just because i thought i had three years worth of pictures of him before i shot him but looking back at it now the first year as like you know a year and a half i don't know if it was him or not um it's kind of hard to te- it's kind of hard to tell so hard. when they're that yeah. young. They don't necessarily have a standout characteristic unless they, yep. unless they do. Unless they then, do, unless it's yeah. real yep. you know. And that kind of plays into this deer. So I I knew about him for sure for 2 years. So I shot him in 21, I knew about him in 20. Now in 19, I had a deer that was a for sure year and a half old deer but was a 6 point. He was just, is it him? I don't know. Could be. I, I have no idea. Um, but he was like a good year and a half old deer uh, just by antler size. Um, and then 2020, he was, I mean, the reason why I thought he was three in 2020 is because his body was so big. He's just like, you know, he just looked like Jesse the body. He was just built right. like a brick shit house. And he had he the just, muscle. He did, man. Yep. And I um, got a lot of pictures of him um, in the summer. And then I, I, if I remember right, I got, well, I mean, I got a picture of him on October 2nd night when I was hunting my family farm in the one acre in daylight. Um, my cell cam went off and he showed up in there. 
And then I had two encounters with him. And, uh, you know, like you said, farmland, I mean, I had him on a string from about 200 yards to about 60 yards and I couldn't get him any closer. And that's just the frustrating part about it. But, um, you know, and that was the last I seen him in, in October in 2020. And, uh, my neighbor, he watched him all gun season. He was like, I think he was kind of living on his property where he, where he lives too. Like my neighbor, he lives there as well on the property. Uh And he told me after season, he's like, man, I saw that six point going across my driveway. And I'm like, sweet. You know, he like made it through and I think he made it through. I mean, it, you know, you hear people say, oh, I saw a big buck. And it's like, okay, well, what's a big buck or who's this buck? You know what I mean? So yeah, right. like, kind of hard to tell. Hard he, to tell. He's such yeah. an interesting looking deer, though, as far as his rack goes, that he'd almost be hard to confuse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was really hard to confuse. Yeah. yeah. In 2020, he looked like he just didn't grow G2s and he just had G3s and Bs. Yeah. And he was really weird. It's like somebody uh, just lopped him off, you know? exactly it literally looks somebody just cut his g2s off yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah i mean so he's a hard deer like this deer behind me his, his nickname was scorpion uh yeah I, I nickname him too he doesn't he's the weirdo but uh <laughs> like he's just a clean tin so he has one characteristic that i know that we at least knew him for two years but that's a deer that any clean tin could be confused you know for the same oh, yeah. tin you know for the most part Whereas him, you know, once people see the photos and if they've already heard his story or, or know about him, I just don't see how you confuse that deer. Um, so that is surprising to me. That was, he was three and a half. Cause I mean, if you knew about him the year before, then he, he was probably one badass year and a half old deer up there. I mean, essentially. Yeah, he could be. And, and honestly, um, that's another thing with farm country compared to, my big wood stuff here in Michigan, I'm talking just in Michigan in my instances, like I get more deer that make it through in farm country year after or year over year than I do in big woods. It's really, it's really different, really weird. Um, do, you, I, do you have the same I, hunting pressure around you that you did in the no, big country? No, like, you know, in my mile section, in the mile section that I hunt right here, me and my wife are the only two bow hunters. Um, That's nice. And there might be one other guy that I'm not, I'm not sure. But when gun season comes, it's there's a blind in every field. <laughs> yeah. So it, when gun season rolls around, yes, I mean there is the same pressure there is that there is 15 minutes away. But you know where my farm, where my uh, family farm is, our camp alone, we have 11 dudes that hunt it, and it's 218 acres. You yep. know, so just a prototypical like yeah, yeah, up north camp. Can y'all drive yep. in Michigan, or is that just a Wisconsin thing? You know, I don't know the law on it. We have, we used to do it in the past on Thanksgiving every day growing up. Yeah, or every, like every year growing up. Yep, that was a tradition. But, we, dude, I haven't been part of a deer drive in shit since I was in high school. You know, it's been a while. It's just it's interesting down here where we live because you can't do that here. And you, I've always heard about that, you know, up in Wisconsin is the state I really hear about it in, and it's like a rite of passage. You do a deer, you know, you do deer drives, and Uncle Tom is always the one that's, did I just say Uncle Tom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sitting Uncle, down there on the bucket Uncle, or whatever. Uncle Bob is, you know, sitting on the bucket, you know, at the end of the point, and I can just imagine, like, dozens of deer sprinting by you, and I, I, I can't yeah. really imagine it, actually. I, I'd have to be a part of one, but... 
it's uh, pretty crazy when i was in high school it was a pretty big thing growing up but ever since then man i don't even know like my closest friends and stuff like we don't nobody you don't hear about deer drives around here anymore yeah yeah i don't i i, I yeah i mean and i can tell because you know as you've um you know morphed into the the hunter you are now you know you're you're kind of like us i think a, a hardcore bow hunter for the most part and it's not necessarily like aligns with what you want to accomplish as far as right. you know getting stuff done so you kind of slowly fade away from those sorts of things well that and, and from a management aspect it's terrible because what you're doing is <laughs> oh, yeah. and if you don't shoot the deer that you're after you're, what, you're sending them to the next county or the next neighbor yeah, oh, yeah. so yeah. when it comes to managing deer it's probably not a great practice no not really no nope, so. it was a bad choice <laughs> yeah yeah but uh so yeah super six um certainly you know had in the encounters with them in 2020 uh, I think I remember you telling us telling that story about the encounter in 2020 when he was just like on a a string to you. Yep. Um you really didn't hunt him at all in 21 though because you traveled to Illinois and Ohio prior to really getting home, right? Yeah, so, you know, coming into 2021, um coming into the, you know, all I heard was from my neighbors that he saw him make it through in January after season. And so I, I really didn't know if he made it through or not. So fast forward, come through, you know, into July is when I really start like put my cameras out and I put the cameras out behind the house and, and uh, I don't check them very often. And I was building my house. So I had, right. you know, I had other obligations and, you know, around that, when was it July, like eighth or something like that. Um, there's beans all around my house last year and this year, but, um, I'm putting the, I'm put I'm getting ready to shingle my roof and I look out back and I remember taking a Snapchat. It's on my phone and I could see like seven brown bodies come out of the timber behind me. And I'm like, shit, my binos are in my truck down on the ground. Like I better go grab my binos. And I go down there and I climb back up on the roof and I glass and he's the first deer I look at. And I'm like, Holy. well, first, first, let me, let me go back. He turns his head and I just see this like. I don't know, like a seven inch drop time off his beam. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, who is that? And I, I didn't even think about like, this is that deer. And I'm like, wow. And then there was like, I don't know, there was like three other bucks that were really good bucks. And I'm like, holy cow, like, who is that? And it, it, I kept watching him, still did not hit me that it was him. Yeah. And because he was just different. It looked like there was this big drop time off there off the, it was off his right side. I believe it was, I think it was. And, and um, I haven't seen him. He's at the taxidermist. So I have, I for, kind of forget what he looks like. Um, I know that kind of sucks. My taxidermist keeps my, my deer's rack too. Yeah. And he, that's the deer that's going to go right here. He's going to be yeah. the exact opposite mount of this one. But um, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I kind of want to see you again. Like I'm, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. like I haven't seen you in yeah. a year. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, the good thing is, is I had to build my house. So like I had, my head was on other things. Like I didn't think about deer hunting very much last year. And, uh, finally I was like, I got some time and my daughter and I were just hanging out. I was like, let's go check that camera behind the house. And, um, I pulled the chip and went home and, I had it on video mode and the first, first, probably within the 10 first videos I had, 
he showed up and he's right in front of the camera and I'm like, it hit me. I'm like, holy shit, that's the super six. And it's not a drop tie it's his beam, but it comes down Yeah. like, but his, you know, and his, it was, I think it was his left side. I can't remember, but it was like, a, now he's got like a G2 and a G3 and it was like a perfect side, but his right side, he, his G2 was like an inch long or a little over an inch. And then he's got his beam. He's got something else. He's got eight scorable, but I'm like, holy crap, he's back. Like, like, wow, you know, and very distinct. Like you talked about the year before. He is very distinct, still has that tip forward frame, yeah. still almost looks like he just doesn't have G2s. Like somebody laughed him off, and I'm like, for sure, that's him. And then the obsession really grew, and I'm like, holy crap, like it's, it's game time. Like I got to keep an eye. And literally if I could – if I could have hunted in July, August, and September, I could have killed him behind the house. Like, I Anytime knew exactly what time he was coming out, <laughs> what trail he was coming on. Like, I I could have killed him. So that's um that's 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 almost mean, you know, because you guys don't start to October first, is that right? Right. Yep. Yeah. That that's almost I don't know. That sucks. Kind of. That's that's the bad thing about trail cams is you see that shit. Yeah. You know, um, not to get off topic too much, but I was hunting a deer last year. Our season starts September 15th every year. And I promised the guys, like, I'm like, hey, I'm going to stay out of the woods until at least October 15th. I'm going to I'm gonna be a good boy. You know, I'm going to be smart about this property. Um, and, like, September 17th, boom, there he shows up, 5 o'clock in the evening, right there yeah right and i'm like uh he's he's getting hunted tomorrow yeah so i go and hunt him the next day don't see him the day after that i'm sitting at a volleyball game for my daughter boom five o'clock in the evening hello oh going again and so for like a week and a half i play this game where every night i was there he wasn't and vice versa and then you know by like september 25th i'm like holy shit i've already hunted seven times when i said i was gonna be out of here right <laughs> Yeah, that's the. Bad I will thing. say, I I wish it. I wish we did have like a September opener, but with one caveat, I would want. I I regardless, I want Michigan to be a one buck state, and I know Missouri's a two buck state. Even for yep. non residents, you can go there and kill two bucks, um, which I think is just asinine. I think I think it should even Missouri. I think you should be a one buck state. Missouri is a good state. It yeah. has potential to be an Iowa, in my opinion. Missouri has the potential, and, and this is just my opinion, to be the best state in America. Right, 100%. I mean, Missouri, in my opinion, has the ability to be, like, the best state out there just because, I mean, you've got good timber, you've got good uh, ag, you've got all the terrain, in my opinion. I think what hurts Missouri and a Michigan is being able to kill two bucks. I mean, if you guys would go to one buck – and even letting, you know, non-residents not shoot two bucks. I mean, I love it as a non-resident, but. You right. Know, yeah. And, and, and we've kind of talked about that. We'd like to, as personally, we'd like to see it become like a draw state or, you know, you have yep. to get some type of point system or something. For but, me, and this is going to piss a lot of people off. I'm not. Anyways, <laughs> I would love to see rifle season be moved out of the middle of the rut. Yeah. Uh, Cause that kills a lot of good bucks. And I realize it helps with hunter recruitment and keeping hunters when they're able to be successful. I'm not even trying to debate that or say anything about that, but man, if like, if we just didn't have rifle season right in the middle of that, uh, 
that would probably help us out quite a bit, even if it was still a two buck state. Um, yeah, Mi- Michigan's the same way though, too. I mean, regardless, I want Michigan to be a one buck state. I don't care. Like, um, we can kill two bucks, but our gun season's twenty five days long. Holy starts, hell! Maybe we aren't so start, bad. <laughs> yeah, ours is ten, but I think and they did starts, extend it this year up in the uh, CWD counties. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what hurt us too is the CWD. Like we used to have a muzzleloader season, and now we really don't. Now you can use a, a rifle. So that's what extended ours. But like our gun season starts November fifteenth every year. Doesn't matter what day it sits. Like I'm okay with that starting then, but make it one buck. I mean, you, you know, if you like to shoot, you know, the first buck that comes by, but you also like to shoot bigger deer, you you might think about sh- not shooting that hundred inch buck, right? You know, yeah. the next year is you know could be Pope and Young. See, that's like, the one caveat that Missouri has: you can kill two bucks, but you can't kill two during rifle, and you can't kill two during the beginning part of archery. You it yep. has to be a like a spaced out proposition essentially. So like, yep. There's that that year I killed both those deer. Mm-hmm. Um, I killed one of them on October 16th, and then the other one I killed opening day of rifle. So I was done, mm-hmm. but I couldn't kill a deer from October 16th until opening day of rifle or a buck. I could kill a, a doe if I wanted to. Yep. So that's the one nice thing a little bit with us. I don't know if you guys are the same, but you have you can't do it like one day and then the next day you kill the next one, right? Unless yeah, they happen no, to you, fall perfectly, but you can kill them bang bang right? like same night my buddy my best friend back in was it 17 or 18 killed two bucks he killed a 144 and then 52 minutes later he killed a 138 with his bow on october 4th damn and it's like but he was done you know yeah. but then i'm like well shit like you know i'm happy for you that's unbelievable but like you know that 138 gets to live you know another Could have been a 150 next year right yeah. you know so oh. it's just it just gets people thinking a little bit more about what they're going to shoot. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, I selfishly, I have a question. How does your state handle the CWD? Do they have a Personally, protocol? I don't know. <laughs> Let's uh, dude, kill all the freaking deer. <laughs> that's exactly how they. That's how they did. You know, it's kind of like COVID. Like when it happened, it's like. You know, we need to do this, this, and this. Like we need to eradicate the deer. We need to do this. But now it's like it's forgotten about. Like where'd it go? You I would prefer I mean? that anyways, right? Like, and, and do yeah. you and or the deer thriving? Are they going a downward turn? Can you tell? I personally have not seen any change from anything. Like I really right. have not personally in my scenario. And actually, all my buddies around me, all my closest friends and like hunting buddies, acquaintances that I know in my area. I don't think I've ever heard of one person getting a CWD deer. Yeah. Um, we weren't a CWD County. The County to the West of us was a big one. Um, but still I know people that hunt and live in that County and they didn't get any effect yeah. to them either. I just think uh, if you ask me, I don't know if I really believe in CWD. It's kind of like COVID. Right. I, I, I really don't know. I don't even know if it's really a thing. Yeah. But, yeah Mike yeah. has got a, a sore spot. I, it, it, yeah. It gets me hot and bothered pretty much because I I bow hunt here locally, but every year I go up north. I have uh, friends that have family farms that they've had for generations and generations, and I've been going up there since I was 16, and it's in the CWD County now. And it, what they're doing up there, I just I, – I personally, I feel like it's wrong. I'm not a biologist. I'm not – you know, I'm just in my standpoint. But every year they do a cull, 
And so you'll have, they'll dump thousands of pounds of corn out wherever, whatever landowner will let them or on public ground or whatever the case may be. And then they'll just pile up deer every year. Yeah. And like, if you're a landowner, yeah. And if you're a landowner, like my good buddy, if he wanted to, they give him, I think this year he pretty much has unlimited tax. He can kill as many deer, bucks, does, it doesn't matter as long as it, and they give him a special seal or whatever they call it. But with those deer, he has to go get it tested. So he doesn't mess with that because he knows if one comes back positive, <laughs> then the whole process is just going to start all over again. So yeah. he, he doesn't mess with it, but it, it just, it, I don't, I don't think what they're doing is the right way. So I was kind of curious since your state's been through it. Yeah, it's, we've been through it. And honestly, I see where your buddy's kind of coming from. If he finds one that's positive, but me personally, Michigan, in my opinion, has been run so wrong forever. Like you guys in, in Illinois and Iowa, Ohio, Kansas, every state that I've been to and hunted, has a call-in check station. Call-in Missouri, I love it the most. I don't know. Do you guys still do the app? Yep, like, still have, you the, have app. the app. Yep, dude, that that app is the best effing thing ever. It is. And it literally, like, I remember when I did it, the last buck I shot there. I think it was 2017, and um, I did it on the app, and I'm like, oh, that was that easy? Like, that's crazy. Michigan, we've never had to check one deer in ever. I don't know one human ever in Michigan having to check a deer in ever. And I'm like, that's a problem because they come out with these herd numbers every year. And it's like, how the, how do you actually know that? Yeah. How do you know? Yeah. I think they're taking it off tag sold and an average of, I I don't know. I really do not know. And I don't, and I would really like somebody to tell me that knows like, what's the process? Like, what are you guys doing? So this year, actually 2022 the season we're coming into they are doing a check-in now we have to call in a telecheck which i'm like hey something thank you yeah it's something let's start in the right now is everybody going to use it hell no we're still going to have poachers Mm -hmm. everybody is missouri has it iowa has it everybody has you'll never get a hundred percent of what your herd is but we're stepping in the right direction next let's knock her down to one buck I don't even care if I have to pay the price of two buck tags for one. And I can tell you a high percentage of Michiganders would do the same thing because they want to hunt better deer. Yeah. No, I get it. Well, and I, and, and I do want to clarify one thing. Our cons- we, we are blessed in the fact yes, that we, we do have a very good conservation. You do. We do. do. I just have an issue with that one deal. Everything else I'm yeah. good with. But We jumped <laughs> off into a huge rabbit hole right here. And I'll say one more thing. This is my biggest complaint about CWD deer die of other things before they're ever going to die of cwd so it's like covid man. why are we killing yeah. them all like yeah. i just don't get what what helps now there's some biologists listening to us right now i mean like you stupid mfers like i get that it, maybe but, but in my know, eyes um just let them live like I, whatever but anyways back to super six <laughs> yeah. um Okay, so, yeah, I mean, basically this all started when you were talking about you wish you got the chance to potentially hunt him in September because he would have been an easy mark at that point. But um, you didn't, and then you went on your trips, right, basically at the beginning of October? Yeah, so what had happened is 
so my farm here at my house is really it's really good the first five days of october especially if i can get some weather and last year we did we got like the first two days of october i'm a huge rain guy i like to hunt while it's raining or just after it rain um it's my favorite time to hunt and last year october 1st and 2nd were rain days and you know when that shift happens the deer just kind of they you know they move and and he disappeared and I had another eight that I was looking at and I was like, okay, I'm going to hone in on you. And then if the super six kind of shows up and he wasn't the deer, like I've, I've learned to not get, try to get emotionally attached to a deer or a spot or something because I just get let down. So it's like one of those things, like a bird in the hand, if I get another deer, it comes in, like, I'm not just going to be like, I'll never be the guy that's like, I'm dedicated on you and you, who am I going to kill? Unless I might mm-hmm. be like, you know, my Iowa deer, the Hambino, like, when I saw him, I'm like, okay. that's who I'm going to kill. It's like, you or that's bust. That's who I want to kill. Yeah. Yep. So uh, he he moved. He left. And I didn't even get a hard horn picture of him. He left while he was in velvet. And I'm like, well, you know, he, he'll he show up. He showed up last year. Um, I figured. I was hoping. I didn't, like, know that for sure. And then uh, this eight was being pretty, pretty consistent. And uh, I set up on this eight twice. And I had the first night I had him at. Oh shit. What did he come to? Like, I don't know, hundred yards. And the second night he came to like 60 yards and I just couldn't get him close enough. And one of those things field field edge hunting and you just kind of at the mercy of the deer, but um, it's the best I can do. I felt like I was in the best situation to, to try to get it done. And, and it didn't happen. And then it was like, okay, I got to switch. I got to keep building my house. And I was kind of getting to that like October 5th time where it was like, I hunted a couple more days and just, you know, just wasn't happening. And I knew I was leaving for Illinois. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on Illinois. I had some deer down there on camera from the summer that I really need to hone in on. And um, I had cameras deployed here. So I went to Illinois, all that stuff happened. I killed that deer, came back on the 16th, um, didn't check cameras. I can't remember exactly the day that I checked cameras, but it was before I went to Ohio. I left on the 25th of October to go Ohio and, um, I checked the camera and first video was him hitting a scrape. And, and it was like in the middle of the night and I'm like, Holy shit, you're here. And it was October. I think it was October 10th. If I have to remember right, I think it was October 10th, somewhere in that eight, nine, 10 and range hitting a scrape. And I'm, and it was like three o'clock in the morning, something stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you're here. That's all I need to know. Like that's, I'm not going to kill him now. I just know how this farm works. It's going to be, you know, around that, the latter part of October into November is when I'm going to have my time. And uh, so I just went to Ohio. I knew it was there and Ohio was a, was kind of a big thing for me. I went down there and, and killed that buck and then beast by the way, (laughs) he was a pretty good one. Um, And then I came back home and kind of still monitor cameras and he wasn't he wasn't around he he had just got that one picture of him and i didn't really have any deer that i was like really wanting to go after but you know i had my house to build so like i have two bucks down in my wife's size you got two bucks you're done you're dude let's get this house going exactly exactly so it's like times a times a ticking so i i knew my priorities well the caveat was you know i can work from home for, for my nine to five and 
you know, my daughter. So when my wife, she's a nurse, so she goes in early, gets out late. So, mm-hmm. um, I take my daughter to school, I pick her up all that stuff. But what I like to do in those latter parts of October into November is I'll take her to school and then I'll just drive the sections for, you know, with a cup of coffee and, and a spotter. It's like literally my favorite thing to do is just like cold mornings, windows down, hoodie on with a warm cup of coffee and just like, love it dude yeah and you know a lot of people are like you're serious i'd rather be in a stand i'm like well i would too but i've learned a lot from farm country hunting and it's like i'd rather glass and make a move so that's what i did you know i'm coming in in november shit that's uh, that's smart i don't think i mean the way he's talking about that yeah plus i mean it's kind of a necessity because you can't you have to take your daughter to school although i'd be tempted to call her in sick for like three straight weeks but (laughs) um no i mean but you it's open country so you can kind of see okay they are in that section of timber now if i want to make a move i can do this the wind would be right blah 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 well and a lot of a lot of my access is through open fields too so morning hunting i'm not saying it can't be done Mm -hmm. but it's it's really touch and go when you have these little woodlots and stuff like that, you bump a deer out of these little woodlots and it might be, you know, it might be not good. So, um, that was the plan. You know, I took my daughter to school. I think it was on, um, November 1st, I believe it was. And, uh, I drove around and I, I like to even go around farms that I can't hunt just to, just to get a gauge on where the bucks are at. Like if they're locked down, if they're chasing, well, October 31st and November 1st, bucks were chasing like a madman. It was on, like it's a magical, crazy. magical time, man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, so the neighbor that, uh, my neighbor that saw him all winter, he owns an 80 that bucks up to the 80 that I live on and hunt. And um, on the backside of his property, another landowner owns there. And it was a bean field and uh, I'm driving around that morning and it's, you know, a nice crisp morning, whatnot. And I, I see some deer on this edge of the fields. I'm pulling up on the main road and I'm like, man, that looks like a good buck. I pulled the binos up and I'm like, holy shit, there he is. And I'm like, wow, like, there you are. Like, I haven't seen you since October 10th ish. You know what I mean? And um, so I'm like, I've got a stand that is literally... I can't, I mean, if I had to guess probably 150, 200 yards, probably 200 yards from this deer right now. And he's with a doe and he's got a little buck with him as well. Satellite buck. And I'm like, I'm going to go get in the stand and I'm going to sit all day and see if he comes by me. And, uh, I literally run home, get my stuff. And I, I go get in that stand and the wind is just pounding that day. I was like a layer too short and I get in that stand and I'm kind of looking at the direction he was at. And there was some timber in between him and I. And I start seeing some movement. I was in the stand probably an hour or so. And I see some movement. I see I pick the binos up and I can see the, the satellite buck he was with in a doe. And I'm like, oh, God, here, here we go. He's going to work out it. right to me. Yep, this is it. And uh, they work out and they come right right underneath me and he never showed and i'm like shit was there another doe <laughs> that's not that how was this was supposed to go him? right <laughs> exactly i think he had another doe with him that was hot and um and that was kind of the end of that and so i got down around noon noon 30 
and uh, I had to go back to work. I had to just, you know, get some work done. And um, so then carbon copy of the first, November 2nd, uh, my daughter has got to go to school and uh, I got to take her. So I took her to school doing basically the same loop I did. And then uh, this time I was on the phone with my buddy and there's like this little grass field on across the road from my house and I'm driving and there's, it butts up to a 20 acres of corn. And I look and I see this deer and I'm like, there's gotta be a buck. And I hit the skids and I'm like, I picked the binos up. I'm like, Holy shit, there you are. Now you're on my property <laughs> and now I can go get you. And I'm like, dang, like, what do I do here? And I just, you know, you get that frantic, like, what do I do? You know, uh, he's right there. All I remember seeing is like, he's chasing all these other bucks around. There's like two or three other bucks he's chasing and he's got one doe and this doe is pinned. She's like got center blocks on her feet. Like she's, she's ready. You know, I got to imagine it was the doe that he was with the day before. Right. Yeah, and, I'm sure. Yep. And uh, I'm like, now I'm game plan. I'm like, how can I get to this deer? He's literally right on the edge of standing corn. I'm like, I can come up the edge of this cornfield and I can get in on him and do I go to the stand that's in the timber that's like 150 yards away from her, be, him? Because I feel like she's going to take, you know, him to that timber. It's the closest timber. I could sit there all day. I'm like, God, what do I do? You know? And you know, the five years ago, me would have been like, go get in that stand and she's going to bring you by the timber. And then, and then it was like, this little guy was like, no, you just go kill him is what you do. And um, so I run home. And I'm not living in my house at the time. My house is still, you know, basically it's doesn't even, I mean, I had my windows in and my doors weren't in or nothing like that. Yeah. And um, so I, where I was living, I was living in my in-laws that wasn't too far away. So I go home and get my stuff. And my father-in-law was home and I'm like, I just saw, I just saw him. I'm going to kill him. And he's like, all right, good luck. If you need help, let me know. And I just like close the door and I'm leaving. And uh, I go to my house where I live now and I pull in the driveway and kind of hard to explain, but like the cornfield, like basically if you, if you, I live basically on the, it'd be the east end of the cornfield. He's on the west end. So I can get around him without him kind of coming, come in from, from the north is yeah. what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Okay. And it's a good wind. Like, it's, it's just, I, it's just like a no brainer. And, um, so I get my stuff and I have not seen the deer for, you know, 30 minutes from now, you know, and I don't know where he's at. When I drove back by, he wasn't there. Um, so I'm going up the corn edge, I'm going up the North edge and he's basically on the Southwest edge. So where I get to the point where the cornfield meets my timber there's like a big like topsoil dirt mound and um, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get like, get my composure. I'm like, like kind of think about what, what, what am I going to do now? Like, okay, I'm here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm out of shape. I'm, I'm, I'm sucking wind. I'm like, okay, get your shit right here before you make this little ascent in here to kill a steer. And I'm like three rows in, but like, you've seen a cornfield where like around the turns, like the corn doesn't grow very good. It's kind of like stair steps up. Like yeah. it just wasn't, that's how it was. Like I have corn that's like knee high. Then I have corn that's like waist high and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, okay, 
he's probably I'm within a hundred yards right now of him, but he obviously can't see me or smell me. No sooner I hear a twig snap, I look, look over in the timber and I'm like, holy shit, here comes this 120 inch like eight pointer coming right at me. He's within 15 yards of me already, and he doesn't he's so rutted up he has no idea what I'm what not even looking at me. And I'm like, oh, I'm a bird in the hand guy. I'm going to shoot you, and then I'm going to run over there, and I'm going to shoot you. Like, that's my thoughts. Two bucks, state or die. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. As we talk about what, hey, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Hey, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. No doubt about it. Uh, If they they give me the tags, I'll do it. Hey, to go back to Um, our our last uh, episode with Tupac references, I ain't mad at you. Yeah, I ain't mad at you. (laughs) I like that. So the way that this buck's coming out, he's going to go on the west side of that dirt mound, and I'm on the east side. He has not a clue. He's going to come out at like 10 yards. I go to full draw, and I, I got – he's top 10. Like, I, this is done deal. And you know when you get those deer that are just in a trans, they're like – they have their tunnel vision. They are – Yeah, they, they don't, they don't they care what's going on. That's this deer. And I'm like – and it just happened to be the eight-pointer that I was trying to kill – early season and he disappeared and here's this deer like this doe's got him here so i go to full draw and i didn't know that at the time that's like after replaying all this stuff he's go to full draw and i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting and he's not stopping he is literally on a mission moving and he's not showing up and i'm like this corn or this this not corn pile this dirt mound is not that big and i'm like why aren't you coming out and i was like at full draw and i kind of lean back like like to look around the pile and he's walking straight away from me. And I'm like, what the hell? And uh, I range him. I, I shoot a Garmin sight. So I range yeah. him. He's at like 54 yards and he's getting farther away. And I'm like, that's not going to work. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I let up. I'm like, all right, gain your composure. He starts working to the south towards these deer where, where the last I saw this buck. And I'm like, okay, they have to still be down there if he is really like zeroed in on them. So I get in the corn. I'm about two or three rows in. And I start inching my way and I'm just walking, walking, walking. This is where the details get kind of shady for me for being <laughs> like it, the, just chaos. A lot, a lot happened in short amount of time. time frame. Yeah. So much. So I get down now, if you can picture this 20 acre cornfield, I'm like halfway like if you take the cornfield and you divide it in half, I'm like right in the half part and I'm looking for this doe or the buck, both of them. And by this time, the eight pointer, he's, he's a ways out and like, he's just doing, I can't get a shot at him. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on over here. And I've got does running by me, literally have no idea. I'm there. It's like, they're like 10 feet from me. They're just whizzing by. And I'm like, what is, you know head on a swivel kind of thing don't know what's going on so all of a sudden i look down and i feel like i see his doe come out of the corn and she i can just see her head and i'm looking through corn stalks i'm like that's got to be his doe and then i look across the section and out of this another piece of timber here comes a buck from like two, 300 yards away. And he sees what's going on. He's like basically running over like Jesus. Like there's just deer coming everywhere. (laughs) The eight pointer is gone at this time. He left. 
the because when the doe ran by me, the eight pointer went with her into the timber, and that and then all of a sudden I've got no deer in front of me. Like there's all these bucks and does, and it just and now it's like okay, what happened? Yeah. Well, that's when I look over because that that buck from the neighbors came over and he kind of screwed around, tried to get on a doe trail. He was he was a little buck and he went into the timber, and then I had nothing. I mean that and, that sucks, but it. If you ever get lucky enough to be in the middle of something like that, which I've been lucky enough a few times in my life to be in the middle of just pure chaos, pandemonium. Yeah, chaos. Uh, <laughs> the deer I shot the the week before I killed him, that day I was after him all day long, and it was just pure pandemonium. You know, seven, yeah. eight bucks running around. All of a sudden, there's a buck looking at you 20 yards away, and you're like, where the hell did you come from? I mean, just... It is a lot of fun, but at the same time, you feel like you have zero control of the situation. There's no no control. You know, yeah. you just got to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna sit the hell down and see what happens." Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it, and all the action was to my west, and the wind was out of the west, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So it was blowing, hit me right in the face, and going right into the cornfield. So I'm like, I'm good, you know. And what I thought was his doe, that eight pointer actually took her and ran her. So I'm like, okay, well, like. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like I, all of a sudden I have no deer in front of me and I'm, so if, if I'm looking West where all the action is, he is South of me. So I am focused South. Okay. Like I, I'm just trying to figure out where he's at when all these deer leave. I'm like, what just happened? So I, I kind of like look to my West and I see this coyote X there's two coyotes. And I'm like, ah, like maybe they have something to do with it. They came from the neighbors. Now they're coming in my whole spectrum here. I'm like, well, if you're going to kick all the deer, I'm going to shoot you. So I start kissing at him to try to get him to come over. One coyote sees me. He kind of like trots off. Mm-hmm. And the other one is just like, he just nose down, just like figuring out whatever. And I'm like trying to get it, you know, arrow knocked and ready to shoot him and one thing or another, he, he kind of takes goes where the other coyote is. I thought there were two males. It was probably a male and a female. I don't know. So all of a sudden, the coyotes are gone, and I got nothing. And no sooner that happens, I look back to the south, and I see a doe standing there, and I'm like, hmm, okay. So then, all of a sudden, I just see in my row of corn, I see corn stalks just like, moving i'm like and i just see a beam and i'm like holy shit there he is like it's got to be him and he's mowing corn down going west and i'm to his north and he steps out and all i can see is his head and his beam and i'm like there he is and the steam's coming out of his nose and i'm like oh mm. god this is this is what dreams are made of right here is it October yet? Dear lord jeez <laughs> oh, I, I literally was... just got goosebumps when he said <laughs> The steam coming was, out of his uh, nose. I got on this. I was. I went around and drove around in, in glass tonight, and uh, it was fifty-eight degrees here tonight. And I'm like, oh god, like please bring October on, you know? Yeah. So anyway, he's just sitting there, and he's like panting. He's just, you know, and you can just see the breath coming out. And I'm like, man, like so. I grab my phone, and I have nothing else to film with my phone, and I'm filming him. All I can see is his nose, his head, and his beams, and his body is in the corn. And I can't get a shot or nothing there. And the doe is out in the grass field. 
and I'm just like, you know, I just gotta let this play out. But I'm like, can I make? Can I get a little closer? I'm like, I'm too far away. So I try to get a little closer. I, I make ten yards. So I'm a little closer. I'm like, man, I'd like to get ten more yards. So I get ten more yards, and I'm inching. Like I'm just beat. Like on him and her. Like just if they move, I'm. Stopped, I stop. You yeah. know exactly. And I had a little bit of wind, not a t- not a not a ton, but I had enough. And it was dirt. You know, it's mud. You mm-hmm. know, and it's not like I'm hitting. It's not like it's green corn. You know, it's corn that's probably ready to be harvested. And so I'm low, and I'm basically uh, bear crawling. I get to like 25 yards and all I can see is still is his head and I can see her. She's out of the corn. But like when you're looking through corn, it makes a wall. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I got to wait for him to get out. You know, he's got to come out. He stands there forever. I swear it's forever. He finally comes out. He fiddles around with her a little bit. And then she like starts, licking his antlers, licking his face. I mean, never seen a deer do it before. That's one of the coolest parts of the story. Yep. I've never heard it's, of that before. Yeah. I, I've never seen it. And he's like, she's like licking his face, you know, and I seen him lick his antlers and it hit me. I'm like, you know, I, I, I listened to some biologists and some podcasts to where it's like, you know, and high fence operations where the, the deer get their antlers cut off, like will a doe pick a lesser buck because the antlers, like those kind of things. And um, I'm like, man, she like picked him. Like she is ready. She is like, wants him. I'm like, this is too good to be true. So in the meantime, he faced right at me and I'm like 25 yard shot right in the chest. I just did this. 11 days ago, I'm going to shoot him right here. I go to full draw and I put the pin on him and I'm like, this is, you know, he has no idea I'm here. I squeeze the trigger and I touch her off and it literally right after it leaves the bow, it hits a corn stalk and it, I mean, it goes right by his chest. I don't know how it didn't hit him. And he literally just does a little poop and he just like, kind of like, what was that? But then he was like, Okay, I need her. You know, and that was it. That was it. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then I had a come to Jesus for myself, and I said, don't, don't screw this up. Like, you don't have fuck this up, Eric. <laughs> exactly. I was like, you have nothing but time right now, man. So I get another arrow, and I, and I knock it, and I'm like, I can't take another shot right now. The, you know, it seems like a minute or three minutes or whatever is, uh, is surpassed since this. And, and now they've kind of turned and they're walking away from me a little bit. And I'm like getting discouraged. I'm like, I had my opportunity. It's not going to happen. They're walking away. And I'm like, just sit still. They're going to be fine. And um, it seems like 10 minutes goes by. And finally, I get to the point where I'm like, I'm looking through the corn. And I'm like, I can take a shot here. And I go to full draw and I stand up and it's just not a good angle. And I, I'm like standing and I'm like, get back down. So I get back down and I let up and he, they didn't see me. And I'm like, Jesus, like just, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, you want to rush it so bad because you want it so bad. You want it to be over like, as bad as you do 
mm. want to experience it. Yeah. So bad, you know, and it's just like, just relax, you know, literally I could, I could have sat there all day and she probably would have walked him within 10 yards of me. Could have been three o'clock in the afternoon, but uh, it's just one of those things that you, you want it to happen so bad. That's like, if I have anything to take away from this, it's like, just let the moment come to you. Just like, you know, it's so hard to do it in the moment, but anyway, I'm just like, just relax. And uh, he turns and I'm like, he looks like he's complete broadside. And I'm like, ah, he looks like he's within good distance. I go to full draw and I range and it's 54 yards. And I'm like, well, I just shot an Illinois deer at 54 yards. He's got a, not a clue that I'm here. She has no idea. They're just doing their thing. And uh, I felt really confident, put the pin on him. I cut her loose. And I just hear the air come right out of him. And I'm like, oh, boy. She runs west to the neighbors and stops in this ditch. He bounds a couple times. And he stops. And he's kind of looking around. And then he starts humping up like his guts. And I'm like, no, no don't do that. No, don't, don't do that. No. And there's yeah. like, there's no way I just gut shot him. The entrance looked center mass to me. And he turns a little ways and I can see that my arrow is still in him holding out on by the fletching on his backside and it looks low and back. And I'm like, no, he's at probably he's over a hundred yards from me now, probably just over. And I don't have any more arrows with me. And he just sits there. We sit there and I watch him. I watch him for, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes. He'll hump and hunch his back, and then he'll just come down, and he'll just, he's just, and I'm like, shit, I gut shot him, you know? But I'm like, and this is where I'm glad I did what I did. Like, he was in tall grass, but I'm like, I have to see where the entrance is at. I have to. So I keep boring holes, and the grass is, like, right there. Where And I'm like, just, is that it? Is that it? And I can, and I just keep, like, putting in my memory i know that's where the entrance is at like i see the whole it's center mass it's center mass okay now i have to see the exit so finally i got to the point where i'm like i gotta get a better angle on this deer to see the exit so i had to kind of keep walking down the corn to see the back side of him when i did that the doe saw me move and she freaked out and left and i'm like shit he didn't move i kept working around and I finally got to the point where I could see and I could see that it was low and back and my arrow was still in him all of a sudden he just starts walking and he walked on the neighbors and he would just he'd walk 40 50 yards and he'd put his head up and he'd just look around just do that and then he'd just keep walking he'd stop and then just look around and he'd just keep walking just a slow pace and I'm like, shit. And so I'm trying to like just weld this this picture in my brain. I have to know where this happened so I can tell whoever to help me. You know, um, I watch him walk 400, 500 yards to the neighbors. And I, he gets on the edge of their timber and he just sits there and sits there. And I'm, I'm watching him for hours. And uh, I finally moved to my truck and I drove around to where I could see him 
where he went in and then I could see the backside of, so if he walked out the backside, I could see still him see him too. going. Yeah. Yep. Caveat was I had to three, I think it was like three or three thirty. I had to pick my daughter up from school. So I could, I watched, I watched him for, I shot him at 10 or 10 or 10 30 in the morning. And, um, I watched him till, till about three, just after three o'clock. And, uh, he would get up, he'd lay down, he'd get up and then he'd, he'd, he'd situate and then he'd lay back down and then he'd get up. He was certainly uncomfortable situate. by then. That's for sure. Yeah. Not doing yep. good. Yeah. Yep. And I called everybody. I called Kurt Geyer, you know, Kurt's got. Uh, a litany of people that he talks to and, and he's killed a lot of deer himself. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, it's one of my favorite goes, parts about the story. <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes, I give him shit about this too. He goes, give him two hours, go in there. And get him <laughs> that's about, that's about <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, uh, I don't know about that. Or he even said, he's like, he's dead right now. Go get him. And uh, I'm like, I don't know about that. I even got on the deer cast app and did the shot placement deal. And, you know, and Mark and Terry Jury, when they do their videos, you know, Mark's like gut shot, you know, wait 24 hours or whatever. I've never gut shot a deer. I've hit a deer in the liver before. I've never gut shot a deer. So I'm like, well, I'm going to give it 12 or 13 hours. I lined up a dog, got my, my dad and one of my really close friends. And I'm like, we'll give it to, you know, 10, 11 o'clock or whatever was, you know, 12 hours. 12, 13 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had to leave to go get my daughter. And and at 5 o'clock, my mother-in-law got home. So I, like, kind of dropped her off there and was like, I'm, I'm going to go sit on this deer again. And then I couldn't pick him back up. He wasn't in his bed. I don't know where he went. So, you know, I we got stuff around. And we uh, the dog and my dad went to an impact. And then my buddy and I just cut the distance from where I last saw him bed. And we went up in that spot, tried to get up there quiet and just see if we could see him laying there. And then the dog brought him the whole way. That dog found my arrow where it came out, brought him all the way to that bed. And we looked and we looked and we looked, found a little bit of blood and we looked more and looked more and the dog got us a little ways. And then next thing you know, it's like midnight. My dad and my buddy are like, you know, we got to work in the morning and, and everything and they left and then my buddy taylor with the dog he's like you ready to go and i'm like yep i'll look all night for this thing like i'm my biggest thing was is everybody i talked to said with a gut or an intestine shot the deer will die cannot live not gonna live cannot live at all will die that's run through my head and i'm like i'm finding this deer and uh so we keep looking and Taylor kind of takes a different route with the dog. And I'm kind of still on the trajectory where we had picked him up from his bed and where I thought he was going to go. And this kind of plays like a big role. Um, and it'll come, it'll come in later in the story here. Standing corn is a big deal around me. As far as like when I shoot a deer in this farm country, standing corn is where they go. Um, they love standing corn and some and the reason why I put emphasis on that is because a lot of people I talk to like they don't even think about standing corn. They like my buddy Mitch that that uh, did the podcast with me. He's like, man, he's like, I don't even really put that into a, a perspective. And I'm like, it's just a field. That's what they think. Just a field. Yep. Why would they be there? It's covered. The deer, the Jim Abbott deer I killed or I shot 
Um, I didn't kill him. I hit him high shoulder. I shot him in the same section of timber. He did the exact same thing that this deer did. But the caveat was when I shot that Jim Abbott deer, there was standing corn on the, on where he bedded and where, when I shot him this year, there was no standing corn on that timber where I found him or where I'll get to that. I'm trying to get, probably getting a little confusing here. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of like just looking for blood. All of a sudden it's like two o'clock in the morning and my phone's ringing this Taylor, my buddy Taylor. He's like, dude, get over here. I got him. He's right here. I can see him. He's still alive. So for the listeners, you can't really see what I'm doing here, but I'm here. Taylor worked around in front of me. So I was going, I was just taking time to get there. I was looking for blood and everything. He kind of like cut the distance and found him. And he's literally laying, I mean, within 10 feet of where the Jim Abbott deer that I shot in 2018 was laying. Like he did the same thing. And so I get up there and sure shit, he's laying right there. And we can get to about 60 yards of him. So he is he very far into that cut corn? He's not in the corn. Not, I'm sorry, There's not cut no, corn, standing corn. Nope, he's not in corn at all. Oh, so he's in timber right now. I, okay. That's where he's in timber. <laughs> okay. So the timber that he's laying in, when I shot this Jim Abbott deer on the backside, that year it was standing corn. This year it's not. Gotcha. So okay. that was where it's kind of confusing. But he was probably only 15 yards inside the timber. He's just off of an alfalfa field. I've got permission to be so that where I was standing when Taylor called me, I've had permission on that neighbor. And then where the deer is laying, that's a different neighbor. And I called to get permission on that. And I'm like, well, it's, it's two o'clock in the morning. He's laying in his bed. He can't get up. Like he just, he'll be there in the morning kind of thing. Oh, come pick him up in the morning when he's dead. Hopefully. And trust me, I feel terrible at this point already. Uh, We back out and the next morning where my in-laws live, I can see this alfalfa field in this timber um, where he was laying. I get up in the morning. I didn't sleep much that that the rest is a little bit of time ahead. I get up and I'm drinking coffee and I'm looking out the back and these two coyotes come back in my life. I've got a feeling it's the same two coyotes, but it's a cold, cold morning. It got down to like 30s you know it's just cold mm-hmm. and they're working this alfalfa field getting ready to go up into this timber and i'm like i remember telling my wife i'm like this sucks like he's they're gonna go in there and they're gonna find him they're gonna eat him and they're gonna whatever so i had my dad and my wife and i and we're gonna come in from the west so i had to get permission from another landowner to get back there and this is like 7 38 o'clock in the morning i don't know this guy he knows my brother-in-law um i drive to his house luckily he's pulling out of his driveway at that moment and i stop uh, him and that's I'm much like, better hey. like at least you didn't have to walk up to the door <laughs> yeah. and like knock on <laughs> knock on the door and be like i hope to god i'm not waking this dude up for sure so i stop and i introduce myself and i said i'm so-and-so's brother-in-law and he's like oh yeah he's like i you know i know him and i said this is the situation i said i shot a deer over here and i said he's He's on your property. I got to, can I have permission to go back there and look? He's like, you do whatever you got to do. He's like, if you need help, 
I'll be back later in the morning or whatever. I'll come and help you if you need another body or something. Like, I'm greatly appreciate that. So I, you know, we go back there. He let us use his hayfield to get back there and everything. And, and we're coming in with the wind. So a wind was a big factor here. The wind was, had shifted and I did not want the wind to our back going into this timber because mm-hmm. I, you know, if he smelt us, he'd be gone. That's why I wanted to come in from this way. And so for the podcast listeners, basically I'm coming in from the West. I shot him to the East. So we're basically, you know, coming in from the direction that I opposite direction that I shot him from. I'm basically pushing him back to where I shot him from. Didn't want to push him. Um, but that's where I'm coming from. So we, it's a five acre section of timber and there's very little understory. It's mature timber. We can kind of see through it and we can cover it all ourselves with like two passes. I know exactly where he's bedded or where he was bedded. And, uh, we keep, we work up the direction and finally get to that bed and he's not there. Nobody finds blood. He's not there. Like shit, where'd he go? It's gotta be a shit feeling right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrible, dude. I, and that's when it like starts hitting you. Like, did these coyotes push him out of here? Is he laying in a deadfall around here? Did he move? You know, do we got to go back through this timber? So we went back through it again. And, and my dad's like, you know, I didn't see anything. My wife's like, I didn't see anything. And, you know, you can cover this timber pretty good with three people. Like mm-hmm. it's not very big and it's, there's no, no understory. So there's another section of timber that we hadn't checked that gets a little thicker. I'm like, let's go over to that one. So I called the landowner. He let us go in there. We same thing, five acres of timber. We grid search that nothing. So I'm like, well, the previous landowner where I watched the deer bed, where I watched him walk to bed, I had permission from him the day before. And I asked him if I could go in there again. And he said, yes, you go back there and do it. He's a really good guy. And um, so we started working that. And I was in the middle of the timber. My dad was on one side. My wife was on the other. Real small sections of the timber. I walk up on blood randomly. I'm like, holy shit, there's blood right here. And it's very, like, watery. Like, it's not dried nothing. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, holy shit. And I look at my dad, and I said, dad, you know, and I – over here and i didn't want to be loud and everything and we're walking towards where i shot him from but it's a distance away i said there's blood right here i said you know what do you think and he goes i said are we backtrack or is he like doubling back are we pushing him right now and he goes ah he's like that could be blood from last night well if the the kicker was that was really mind screwing me was there was a a little creek right next to this and it was kind of wet like all the ground was wet around there and i'm like well maybe the maybe blood it's didn't just dry. wet from, yeah yeah that's, hard to that's tell what i was thinking so my dad kind of went back to his post and we were just kept walking i mean i go a little bit farther and here's another wet spot in the blood and i'm like i feel like we're pushing this deer and i told my dad and i'm like i think he's i think we're pushing him i mean it was no sooner I said that and I looked at my phone and my cell cam went off and I look at it and I'm like, no way. And I, like, I, I open up the cell cam. I'm like, Holy shit. He's right in front of my cell cam alive. And we are probably 150 yards behind him and we're pushing him. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's back on our property. I shot him 
on the south side of our timber, my cell cam is on the northwest corner of the timber. So he's going into our timber. And the corn is on the south east side. So he's going to go through the timber okay. and go back to the corn. And I'm like, holy shit. And I look at my wife and she goes, I'm going to the house. Our house is on the other side of the corn and there's a road. She's like, I'm going to run to the house. If he comes out, I'll get an eye on him. And she leaves. She's gone. And I'm like, I look at my dad and I'm like, what do we do? And, and I go, I think we need, you need to get me back to the truck. The truck's a mile behind us. I said, you need to get me back to the truck. You need to wheel me around to this timber. I'm going to sit where the timber meets the corn. And if, if I can beat him there, I'm going to sit there all day and try to shoot him. All right, so we haul ass back a mile to get to the truck. I had my bow and everything ready. We get in. He drops me off. I walk in there. I go by the scene of the crime, and I go right to where the timber, the bottleneck hits, the timber hits the corn. Mm -hmm. And I told my dad in the meantime, I said, you go to my house, sit in my driveway. If he comes out, let me know, because he can see that whole east side of the timber if the deer comes out. My wife had to go back home, so he took her home. So I'm sitting there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I hear a twig snap to my left and I'm like, and I look up and I'm in tall grass and I see a deer running and it's a doe and she runs out into the field. And I'm trying to text my dad and try to call him like, is any coming out? He won't answer. All of a sudden I get a phone call and it's my dad. And I answer and he goes, he's coming right at your house. He's coming out of the timber and he's walking right at the house right now. What do you want me to do? And I said, get on the road. Do not let him go past the road. Because that is another litany of people that I need to get permission from. <laughs> another list of I numbers do. I got to find. Yeah. Do not want to do that. So in the meantime, I come out of the tall grass and hit the edge of the corn. And I crest the hill and I can finally see the deer. And he's like on a trot. And my dad cut him off and he's going into the corn. And he, and he gets to the edge of the corn and I duck in the corn about one row into the corn. And he's walking up the corn at me. And I'm like, I'm going to shoot him right here. Just come right at me. I'll go to full draw. I'll step out. I'll just shoot him and be mm -hmm. done with it. He literally, and I'm watching him. I'm just, I just got my head peeked out a little bit. And I'm watching him. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He stops and turns right into the corn. And I'm like, shit. And so he goes in the corn. Disappears. And like, disappears. This is 27. I think it was 27 or 28 hours after I shot him. He's still alive. I think that's what it was and uh i'm like what do i do now this is the 20 acre standing cornfield stuff's running through my head like what do you do so i had to walk by him where he went in to get to my dad so he could pick me up at the road so i keep my arrow knocked and on our like there was corn on our or like there was two cornfields right there one standing and one was high moisture corn, like silage corn that they cut early. Mm -hmm. So I was walking on that side. So it was muddy. It wasn't loud. I could pick my battle and be quiet. And I'm like, I'm just going to creep by him. And if he's sick in there and I can see him, maybe I can shoot him. You know, I'm creeping by, creeping by. And like, I get to where I could see his tracks going and I see like, you know, 10, 12 rows in there. Like all the corn is like mowed down how like deer or coons or something like that got in, just like killed the corn. I thought to myself, like, man, is he in there, you know? And I just kept walking. I'm like, well, I just got to let him die. He's going to die. I just got to let it. 
it's a tough pill to swallow because I just, I feel terrible at the time. I get to the truck and my dad, I'm deflated. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Yep. He goes, he goes, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I, I'm going to let him be, but I'm going to, I'm going to grid search this whole cornfield tomorrow, you know? And that's um, where I want to stop you because okay. I, f- I don't want to stop the story, but I feel like to preview our conversation after the story is over is I feel like right then after the second day of searching, I feel like most people after day number two quit then. He's still alive 28 hours later. He's not going to die or I'm never going to find him. And I, in my opinion, and I feel like I might even be one of those people. I don't know. Um, that's when you quit. Like, okay, I've given this my all. I don't know how I'm supposed to get this deer. He's obviously not going to die. It's been 28 hours, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, it, did any of that cross your mind? Like what Because you said you were deflated right there when you got back to the house with your dad. What was going through your mind? Did you, did you think maybe he's not going to die? I mean, cause 28 hours is certainly longer than any of us would think. What, what was going through your mind? I what was going through my head was that I never once thought that he was going to live. I thought the shot that I put on him, he was going to die. And honestly, it got to the point where the more I kept him on his feet, the better it was for me for him to quick to to die quicker. But when you get in a twenty acre standing cornfield, I don't want to pull it, push him around Hell's Creation forever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and my thing was is like. I just got to let him do his thing is as, as, as terrible as that sounds. And as bad as it made me feel, I just got to let nature take his course because now the kicker is a lot of people, when you shoot a deer, you don't know where you shot them. You know, we talked about earlier, mind plays games on you. Yeah. That's a big thing. When I shot this deer, you have to go from hunter mode to, I don't know what you'd call it, to you have to weld this this picture where the entry is and you have to find out where the exit is. That's not, at least find out as much information as you can to put in your brain to tell other people that might be more educated than you or had this instance. Mm-hmm. You need all that information. Whatever you can get, you can get. I literally was in a position to where I could watch this deer for how many hours? A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people, this is during the week. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, a lot of people have jobs and I have a job as well, but like my job is pretty lenient. Like find out whatever information you can. I I equate it to, I don't know if people out there, if you guys watch Whitetail Adrenaline, um, when Jared Scheffler shot that big deer in Kansas and looked for four days for that deer, I was going to look for as long as I had to, just like that. I'm cut from the kind of the same cloth Jared is like when it comes to that, like I do, I have a service to do to this deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and if, if it comes out where it's like, I don't know when to hit no or quit. Like I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, 
so that was just like I'm gonna be back in the morning and I'm I'm gonna give him the rest of the day. It was gonna be cold. I'll be you know he's gonna go in here and die hopefully. Um. So. I guess to, to answer your question, the long form is it just find out as much information as you can watch that deer, um, use every resource you can on X is a big resource. Use it. Um, talk to your landowners, everything. I mean, just every resource you can and just use it. Um, that's the best thing I can say really. Yeah. We'll talk more about that after the story, after you get through the yeah. story too. But, um, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that made me think on the first few times I heard it last year on both those shows was, you know, just kind of thinking about all the people that might have quit on them. So, you know, and, and I I had to look inside myself, like, would I have been one of those? Would I have thrown the towel in? Um, you know, if I didn't see them at all that first day, that sort of stuff. So, anyways, we'll we'll continue on that that topic. After, uh... Yeah, not to go any farther down that rabbit hole either, but I've lost deer. I've lost many deer, but also like I've talked about this Jim Abbott story. Like, I I knew where I hit that deer. I hit him in the high shoulder. I got like six inches of penetration on him. You know, I kicked that deer up numerous times. A neighbor saw him. I I, I had a really good inclination that it was not a fatal hit, and it come to find out it wasn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. It's just trying to find that 100% like that deer is going to live or that deer is going to die. This one, I knew 100% this deer was going to die. I had to stay on him. I had to see him. I didn't know where he was so I could keep tabs on him until he did. That was my whole drive for it. So that day, I went to work, and I – did the best I could, you know, work get anything done, <laughs> dude, difficult, yep. very difficult. Um, you know, and my buddy, one of my closest friends, Cole, he calls me and he's like, Hey man, he's like, what, uh, what are you going to do about that deer? And I said, well, in the morning, I said, I'm going to get up before it gets daylight. And I said, I'm going to start driving the roads. And I started thinking, you know, like he was a human, basically. I was like, I'm going to drive while it's dark. Maybe this deer's thinking to use this, the the darkness to move. You know what I mean? Like I literally told him that I was like, maybe he's just only moving in the dark. I don't know. But I said I'm gonna drive these roads, and I'm gonna get out and walk in the headlights and you know flashlight and everything to see if I can find blood where he might be coming out. And so I did. I got up early and uh, I started driving around. I drove around for like three hours. Um, I was shining some fields with my headlights. I don't know if that's legal beagle or <laughs> whatnot, but like at this point I didn't, I wasn't going to like break laws, but like I knew ethics like were involved. Like I had a duty to do to, to, to try to get this deer out of his misery to keep him from suffering any more than I've, you know, made him suffer. Right. So I would get out and I had the headlights on the road and I got a flashlight and I'm, looking to see if I can see tracks coming across or blood coming across the road. I'm, you know, walking like, I don't know, half mile up and down this road and it's a dirt road. And, um, I'm walking up in the, up in the ditch and seeing if there's blood or whatever. And it's getting daylight. Well, my buddy Cole said he was going to hunt that morning. He, he was the only friend that I had that wasn't working that day that was hunting. And he was like, I can come help. So I'm like, okay. 
he calls me about 10 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Now it's 48 hours since I've shot the deer. So it's two days, two full days since I've shot the deer. And uh, he calls me. He's like, I'm just getting down. He's like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, if you want to meet me at my house, meet me there. And I said, well, I'm going to grid search this whole thing. We can take one row at a time or two rows, of, you know, whatever we want to do and just work up and down 20 acres of corn, however long it takes us, it takes us. And uh, if that wasn't going to work, I had a, I had a dog lined up again to get on that trail where I last saw him to, tr- to take him again. And um, so the dog was on standby. Cole shows up. And he goes, take me through the plane. I said, well, after I thought about it, I said, I want to walk in right where he walked in and see if I can find blood and maybe I can blood trail him through this corn. And I said, if you want to get down 30, 40 yards to my west, um, because the way the the wind was working, the wind was actually out of the east that day. And I felt like if we stayed west of him, he wouldn't smell us and wouldn't booger out or anything. And I said, just be quiet. So we started working these rows and I get on his track. I go about 10, 11 rows in and uh, I can see the open area where that corn was knocked down. But I mean, all the corn was just like, like, like a truck went through there and it was just like a wall and I didn't want to bust through it because I didn't want to be loud. Mm -hmm. So it made me have to go around it. And when I went around it, I looked down and I could see some hair and that like it kind of revealed his ass and he was just dead right there. He laid right there. And I'm like, holy crap and then i lost and i'm like cole he's right here like literally he's right here and i was just you know may have shed a tear (laughs) but uh he was he literally when i walked by him the day before he could have been taking his last breath but he went in there and laid down and that's where he expired and i'm like oh my god 48 hours from when i shot him i finally caught up to him what yeah. a roller coaster. I mean, yeah. Wow. <laughs> From the hunt to the pursuit, you know, of him, the rest of that, that time is just what. And I think, uh, obviously, you not only learned a lot about what to to look for and to do, but I think a lot of the listeners, both on those shows that you were on and, and your show, and then you know, today uh, – to take away from knowing where you shot him. That to me is the biggest thing you did to be successful in that situation. Because let's say you didn't watch him that day and you just thought, well, I don't know what I did. You went and looked for him that night, never found him. I feel like a lot of us out there quit right then. And that's that. And we're never going to find him. And he's, he's dying somewhere and he's wasted. Right. But when you, when you're able to know where your shots are, much like um, my uh, archery buck in 2020, which we talked about on our show, same situation. I knew I hit him back, and I knew I hit him in the guts. The The biggest thing for the listener to take away, in my opinion, is if you know you shot a deer in the guts, stomach, intestines, they are going to die. They will not live. It will happen. Um, Might not be close by. <laughs> no. Especially, you know. It- if you bump them and all that crap, like, but anyways, um, what, you know, how, how much effort are you going to put into finding them? You know, you got to ask yourself that 
if you know you didn't hit them in, in a vital organ, which the guts are certainly vital, then how much effort are you going to put into it and what are you going to do to, to determine is that deer going to be fatally wounded or not? We've all unfortunately right. been there. Andy had a situation two years ago or last year, I don't, two years ago, two, where he he hit a deer in the shoulder, had about three inches, four inches of penetration. And we, looked. Up, we looked. <laughs> we looked that day. It was pretty obvious what happened. That deer never died and, and uh, is now a giant. Yeah. <laughs> He's huge. The uh, neighbors got him on trail it, It's camera. about a mile <laughs> really? west now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never come up. up. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, just like one of them deals where knowing where your shot was is like 90% of the battle, honestly. The other 10% is what mental fortitude are you going to have to recover the deer? Uh, yep. And sometimes I feel like there are those of us out there, and I'm not even saying I'm not included, that would potentially throw the towel in earlier than we should. When really that's that's the exact opposite of what we should be as outdoorsmen and women. Um, so that was the biggest thing I took away from that is I already knew of you and listened to you for years, but my level of respect for you went way up listening to that story. Because I kept thinking, I feel like I would have quit that day. Like I feel like that's where I would have said this is this is over. But you just didn't. You just kept after his ass. So, yeah. well, um, and I appreciate that too. And I do want to reiterate a little bit of like what you, your ninety ten method that what you just said. Like, take that and apply it with the information you get like information is key if you can't see the entry or the exit you have to figure out whatever 90 percent you can like you have to figure out where that deer went you have it, it could be anything it um there's like i said there's deer that i've lost there's deer that i've trailed for two days and i've lost there's deer that i've trailed for two hours and i lost but i had my information to where it was like okay whether it may be the arrow is showing a brisket shot or showing um a leg hit or something or a high no man's land shot it could be that or it could be a trail cam or whatever whatever that information is i've always backed off a deer when i knew 100 percent in my mind that that deer is not fatally hit that deer is gonna live i'll never leave a deer out there that if i don't have 100 percent of he's not going to die. I'm not going to back off that deer. If I still have an inclination of the, that deer is going to die, I'm going to keep after him. And I'm going to go through hell's creation to figure it out where he's at, what I can do. There are instances where you might not have a hundred percent where it's like you get to a landowner that will not let you go on there or, and that's just, that's that just sucks. the nature of it. Yep. Or any other scenario that might come around come around that's like you might not have that ninety percent or whatever it is that's like that deer's gonna die or he's gonna live and you just have to back off. Like I get it. But to me, you owe that deer to give him everything you have because I give my life to these white tails. I have a podcast about it. I went to went to college to run a camera for whitetails. Like that's literally what it is. And the little, I mean, the least I can do is to try to do the most on my end to get this thing. That's where I'm coming from with it. Yeah. Looking back 
and during the whole process, is there something that you would change or that you would have done differently? As far as, like, is there a time where you would have been like, maybe I'll just wait it out longer or something? The the initial night that I shot him, if, if I, going back, going back, I would have went in. I, would, I wouldn't have went in that night looking for him if I – if I would, if I would have experienced a gut shot deer before, um, and knowing that they live for 24 hours or, you know, around that range, because a lot of people say at least 24 hours before you go check them out, you could go in in 12. If there's anything I would change is I wouldn't go in that night, but me being the guy I am and the due diligence to do what I, what I owe this deer, I had to go in that night. I had to. Yeah, it was a must, and twelve hours was going to be my minimum. I had to wait twelve hours to do it, and I did. And when I showed up there, he was gone. So it's like then it's like okay, that information we're talking about, find out as much as you can. You know how many times have you lost blood and you're just doing circles in the timber, like we're just circling to find find blood. That drop. Where are we going to find it? And there's a drop, or there's something here, and it's like maybe there isn't anything. Okay. I need to look in the morning. I'm going to back out till morning. I'm going to get a dog. A dog is a big thing. Get a dog if you can. I know in Iowa, didn't they just pass it now where you can use well, a dog? It was maybe? illegal in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's Which legal I think it's just asinine yes, that you can't use a dog. I, I but, mean, I might, I might understand the reasoning behind it, you know, running deer and all that shit. But, you know, actual blood tracking dogs – they are professionals, I guess you'd call it. Like they spend their life on that shit, and yep, they're not gonna there's run some, no damn deer. Like that's that's just not how it works. And there's some good dogs and good dudes, good trackers out there. I have a drone. If you can use a drone, I was gonna use the drone if I had to. Literally use that. Um, I mean, do what you can. It, I, I have no clue can, if that's cool or not. Here, I don't know. Probably haven't even. I bet they haven't even addressed drones yet since it's so new but um yeah yeah it's just like there's so many opportunities to bow out and i feel like sometimes people take those opportunities to bow out and if you're one of those people that would bow out then i, I in my opinion you got to reevaluate should you be hunting because you just wasted an animal i mean the before we recorded i told you the story about the one i got shotted two years ago that i've mentioned on the show I was sick to my stomach all night long because it was warm that night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's going to die at 10 p.m. and I'm going to waste his meat. I'm going to find him in the morning. That was my in my mind, right? We should go there tonight because he's going to die early and then all of his meat's going to be wasted. Thank God that he didn't. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a catch-22 because, yeah, because he suffered all night long and then he died that first thing that morning and then I was able to salvage all of his meat and still eat them. But then at the same time, he suffered all night long. Right. So yep. catch 22. I know that, but I was sick to my stomach all night long. And Micah can attest to it because I'm like, I just wasted this deer. I killed his ass. He's going to die. I know it. And I wasted him because it's 75 degrees on November 1st or whatever it was. Yeah, that, whatever. It was so hot that, I'm like, I, I just wasted him, and thank God I didn't, but then he suffered for another 12 hours. So, I mean, whatever. But uh, 
I mean, everything goes to your head too. Like, should, oh, I, sure took a 50, should, should I took a 54 yard shot on him? I mean, did I rush a shot? I mean, I could have rushed a shot, but like, I, will I take another 54 yard shot? You damn right. I will. And I I'm going like to tell I you can, why yeah. is because is because I can. Um, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I shoot my bow a lot. I know what my bow can do. My range is 60 yards. I won't shoot at a white tail and people are like, oh, people don't take vacations that far. I get it. <laughs> but there is a line there there is there's bullet points that I use. Like if this deer has any idea that you're in the world, probably don't shoot. If the deer's feeding, my Illinois deer, 54 yard 54 yard, had no clue I was there. Feeding on beam. He didn't know until that arrow was entering him. If you go back and look at the video, he starts flinching when the arrow is getting ready to enter him. He had no clue. Same thing with this deer. He had no idea. I was confident. I missed freaking two minutes before. All my adrenaline was gone. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've had an out, multiple opportunities at a deer. When you shoot and miss a deer for me anyway, the second time around is like, hey, this is butter. You yeah. know, you. I was so confident. I'm like, I hit him exactly where I was aiming. I thought he was completely broadside. He was more quarter to me than he was, mm-hmm. um, or than I thought. And it just, you know, it is, what it, it is. is what it is. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's what, uh, in my opinion, makes this story so great is, uh, it, to me, it teaches the listener to use the information you've got, uh, Shot placement, I think, is, like you said, is probably the biggest bit of information you can gather from a shot on a deer. If you know where you hit, and a lot of people, unfortunately, all they have is that first entrance, and they see it run away, and they don't see that deer again, boy, it is is really, really difficult if you are all jacked up on Mountain Dew and adrenaline Mm -hmm. to remember where did you hit them. But I think um, some stuff you talked about, like, okay, well, how did they react when they got hit? Did they run away with their tail up? Did they walk away? Um, did they hunch you up? Like you were saying, he was, I mean, you got to see him for a long time on that. But, um, yep. like, what was their body language like? Try to get as much of that information that you can up front uh, while you're all jacked up. Because it, it could matter. I mean, it really could. And then obviously you want to try to find that arrow at some point and see if you can see 100%. what the blood looks like, feels like that sort of stuff. But And you said it too, body language. Body language is a big deal. This deer in 48 hours, the times that I seen him were never running. The most I ever saw him running was a, was a little trot. Um, he never ran. I watched him walk 400 yards across a field like Eeyore, like just slow, just like that means something. Him hunching his back after I shot him, that tells me guts. I hit him in the intestine in the guts. Mm-hmm. That's a big piece of information you need. You need to learn how deer react. Like you just said, body language is huge. Did that deer blow out of there like the hinges of Haiti? Well, you know, either you hit him really good or you one lung him or maybe you hit him in the liver. Liver and this is, I've hit a liver deer. Do not go look for a deer that you hit in the liver any less than, I'm going to say, 10 hours, 10, 12 hours. 
you're going to go in there and you're going to, you're going to kick the deer up. You're going to, you know, chase your tail. He'll, they will die. Yeah. The liver deer five miles away from you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You're going to chase your tail. Just wait. It sucks to wait. Yeah. You gotta wait. And unfortunately not always is the information that you, uh, I guess experience going to match up with what ends up if you're lucky enough to finish the story not always going to be exactly what you would think. I mean, the one I told you the story about, I watched him run for 400 plus yards across the cut bean field after I shot him. And it was exactly like you said, it looked like the, the hands of God itself slapped him on the ass and he was just gone. And I'm just like, okay, that doesn't look like a gut shot deer. Like (laughs) that looked like a deer that I I missed. Like what the hell just happened here? You know? And in the end, um, it was a gut shot deer. Could I have clipped uh, a liver or lung? Maybe, but I really don't think I did. So, mm-hmm. um, and I really didn't do a lot of, I had to work that day when I found him. So there was a lot of, <laughs> let's get this thing gutted into the processor and let's go home. But yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not always, you know, perfect, but uh, yeah, this is a perfect example on like just educating yourself on deer behavior after the shot, um, trying to keep your, me and Mike aren't even saying we're great at this, but trying to keep your cool at that moment so that you can kind of think for a second and be like, all right, where yep. did I hit him? That's why I use lighted knocks. I don't know what you do, Aaron, but hundred percent lighted knocks. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I use lighted knocks because it helps me just see where the arrow went better. Yeah. Um, lighted knocks can, can leave you astray though, too. Sure. I've had yeah. a couple instances. I shot a doe one time that uh, I'm like, Oh, zipper shot done deal. You know, and it was actually that liver hit deer and i'm like oh i can go get her right now walked up on her after you know i i had enough time to get out of the tree you know let's say an hour passed i picked up the trail i walked 80 yards on the trail i look up and i pick my flashlight up and there's eyes looking at me and i'm like huh no like i could see them bedded and i'm like no and she blows out of there i'm like what and i'm like there's no no way different you know (laughs) And I, I left and I'm like, what the hell? Maybe I did hit her back. And uh, come to find out, I was on a wild goose chase all night and ended up finding her. And it was 100% liver right through her. Hmm. It's just one of those things, you know. But I looked like it was a zipper shot right behind the shoulder and it ended up being, you know. So they can leave you astray a little bit. But like, I feel like in more instances for me than not, they tell a big part of the story biggest thing on lighted knocks is remember they are on the back of the arrow so if you are shooting a deer that's quarter two or away you that arrow is entering in a different spot than the back of that arrow is so yes like you know put that into your mind when you say hey i saw that you know that knock there well the arrow was probably somewhere else whatever direction yeah yep and i mean the ugly truth is if you hunt long enough this is probably going to happen to you at some point, more than likely. It'll happen. I've lost It'll deer. Happen. Nathan's lost deer. You've lost deer. It's going to happen. So don't let that, you know, deter you. But you definitely want to put in the effort to do everything you can to, you know, bring justice to that animal and, you know, harvest it the right 100%. way. But it, eventually, if you hunt long enough, it will happen. Yeah. Yep. And that's the biggest thing I wanted to bring away from this show with Aaron is, Honestly, there's not a whole lot that pisses me off. I don't judge anybody for the most part. I 
I'm one of those guys that if you got a tag and you're doing it legal, I could give a shit how you decide to do what you want to do. But disrespecting the animal that you're after is one of the biggest things that aggravate me. And I'm not saying there's very many people out there in our hunting community that do it. But if you are a person who is not willing to give 110% effort to recover the animal, I'd think about a new hobby. You know. Well, and it, it only takes one of us, too. If one of you guys or me, you know, sheds everything in a bad light, we're a small community. Yep. It takes one for the antis to latch on, and then it makes all, all of us look like assholes. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. So just do your due diligence. You know, and this is, you know, this is off subject, but it happened in Missouri. My first out-of-state buck, and I talked about this on an early podcast I did, I, sh- I, I blind rattled a buck in Missouri um, and he ran in 52 seconds after I was rattling. I was full blind rattle. I look over, I just see this frame coming down the creek bottom. He runs right underneath me. I had enough time to get rid of the antlers and get my bow. I go to full draw. It's all on film. The deer stops. I stop him at 32 yards, quartering away. I, I mean, I pinwheeled him at 32 yards. He runs like 40 yards, stands there, does a tail flicker, falls over, and I'm just like ecstatic, okay? And I look at Casey that was filming me. I'm like, dude, that was that's my first out-of-state buck. This was 2015, I believe it was. And um, I'm like, that's a good buck, you know, and not a giant, but like a good, like a good frame deer. We're hooting and hollering, and I'm like, let's look at the footage. So I pull the camera. And I'm looking at the LCD screen, and I'm watching him. He comes in, and I, I see him shoot, and I rewind. I'm like, huh. I look at my I, – I think to myself, I'm like, man, that's not right. It looks like a six-point. And I'm like, hmm, that's not good if he is a six-point because then it jogged my memory. One of my good friends that I was hunting with, he's just, you know, just a Missouri guy that's got some land that I could come hunt. His dad is the sheriff of the county I was hunting in. And uh, I'm like, man, I don't think, I think I'm in an antler point restriction area here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I call him and I'm like, hey, man, I said, uh, am I, can I shoot a six point or not? And he goes, nope, you're in an antler point restriction area. And I said, I think I just shot a six point. Big six, a a good enough six, trust me. Um, The ones that you're like, this point restriction sucks. <laughs> yeah. This <is> yes. stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, he wasn't like a giant by any means, but he was like a good enough deer. And I'm like, gosh, please have one tie on. Just have like an inch bra. I need this. Or, or yeah. like an inch G3, you know? So I told Casey, I'm like, I'm going to get down and go check him out. I walk up there, no camera in hand or nothing like that. And I walk up there and he's a clean six, whistled six. And I'm like, shit. And then I, I had this moment at the deer and I'm like, what do I do? You know, I'm not going to lie to you. The thought of taking the deer, tagging him and just cutting him up, going about my way came through my head. Yeah. But then I was like, that's not who I am. That's not who I am at all. I called my buddy back and I said, he's a six. And I said, do you have the number to the CO officer? And he said, yep, I'll text it over to you. And I called the CO officer right there. And I said, sir, I said, um, I just made a mistake. I sent him from out of state. Um, I shot this deer. I rattled him in. 
it happened really fast. I said, it's all on film if you want to see it. I said, he's a six-pointer. Um, what would you like me to do? He goes, meet me at the meat locker in town, and, uh, you know, we'll go through it all. And I said, I want to tag it. You know, I shot the deer. I'm going to tag it. All this is on film. I have all this footage on this computer behind me. Nobody's mm-hmm. seen the light of the day. And um, he's like, meet me at the meat locker and everything. And I said, okay. So I get back up in the tree and I tell Casey and we film it all and everything. And I said, this is the, you know, learning experience here. It's my first like out of state. Like I've hunted out of state before, but this is, it took me a while to kill a buck out of state. And uh, I'm like, I want to do this the right way. We go to the meat locker. I drop the tailgate and he's like, oh, okay. You know, uh, why don't you come over my truck with me? I go over the truck with him and, and uh, he writes me a citation, $250 fine um took the deer from me uh he said we're gonna donate the meat but i can't let you have the antlers and i said are you sure i said it you know i, I it's my first time to say buck can you can i please have the antlers? he goes nope you can't have them and uh luckily i did take pictures with the deer mm-hmm. when we went so i do have the pictures i have that part of the memory and i have the footage um but he fined me 250 fine I paid the fine. I was in the local paper. Yay. You know, <laughs> made it. <laughs> but like, but he even told me when he was, he was a nice guy about it. And he's like, you know, it's just something I got to do. And I'm like, I totally get it. Um, he goes, you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't believe how many six pointers I find in the ditch. And he said, people that's will what kill pisses me off about them. that. Yeah. Yep. To me, he said, he, I'm not, he finds, He'll he'll find 15, 26 pointers a year in the ditch. He said, that, and that's what pisses me off. I'm not complaining, but to me, that's kind of a dick move to a guy that's honest about it and did everything the right way. Like, come on, give him the warning and say, "We understand, but remember what you're doing. Move on." Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. No, you gotta you gotta write that ticket and be a dickhead but whatever i mean Dude, and i understand an, they got to do their job but in that situation you got 15 to 20 a year you're finding in the ditch because they don't want to get in trouble and then you got honest people that are honest you know uh that's yeah. not going to change who you are you're going to continue being honest and that wouldn't change me but does that make a person who is on the fence really want to be honest next time i wouldn't think so but yeah yeah and it is it. It is what it is, I guess, you know, and like I said, I have the footage. He told me at the time to not show the footage anywhere, but now it's to the point where I'm like, I really want to tell the story. Right. Like, it's a really cool hunt. Um, you know, I, I literally, it was a crispy morning. It was November 14th, colder than shit, like frost on the ground. I mean, it's the pro, it's like the perfect November morning. And I'm like, let's crack these things together. And I just yeah. crack them together. And this deer comes out of nowhere, runs right underneath me, 32 yards, smack him. He was probably a three-year-old. He was just like a big, burly six-pointer, like a bully. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. A deer that you don't want on the farm, to be honest with you. Right. You know? A dickhead. Yeah. So We actually, um, I, I like our point restriction for the most part, but there's those certain deer. We actually, I have one, Evil Eddie, mm-hmm. um, a property I hunt that he's actually a free... <laughs> He might even just be like a four-pointer at this point. He's a very old deer, and since I've been hunting this farm, he's been an old deer, and all he he's is— He's like a seven, eight-year-old deer. Yeah, he's like 
and all he is is two giant main beams and two giant G1s. That is oh, it. Oh, God. I and love deer like he's that. He's got a giant growth off his face. He's got the biggest saggy titties. Like, I mean, just his brisket sits there and like, <laughs> and I actually had a five yard encounter with him last year in the rain. It's one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of on the ground. Um, I'll, I'll send you the, I'll get your phone number after this. I'll send you the video I had. He is yeah. just the coolest deer and I can't touch him. You know, I mean, right there, five That's yards tough. away from him. Yep. And, uh, you know, and he's a deer taking up space in your herd that, like, if you really, like, want herd management and stuff, like, this deer is a deer you don't want around, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'd but be it, cool I mean, to get one of the boys, because yeah, youth. My kids could, my the youth yeah. season, that, that goes out the window, but uh, yep. um, he's a cool, I'll have to sh- send it to you. It was pretty nifty, but, yeah, in general, I like the the point restriction thing, but yeah. um, anyway, Aaron, that was exactly what I was hoping for. Um you know, selfishly, I just wanted to hear the story of uh, Super Six again. Honestly, <laughs> so, no problem, man. Um, before we get off, why don't you uh, talk to tell the listener how they can, uh, you know, watch or listen to your podcast, uh, see you on social media, and uh, get your stuff. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, every Tuesday morning at five a.m. Eastern Time, a uh, new podcast goes live. Some days I get a wild hair on my ass, and a Friday a podcast will sprout about, but. Um, it's hard to get two podcasts out a week. It really is. But um, that is every Tuesday. My podcast goes live. Like I said, uh, Instagram is the fall podcast. Same thing on Facebook and then YouTube. Um, I'm, I'm trying to put up a lot of videos on YouTube and try to grow that a little bit more, but search the fall podcast on YouTube. You can watch my Ohio hunt on there from last year, my Illinois hunt, um, some hunts from the past, a couple Michigan deer that I killed with a bow, um, I don't know. There's some Missouri deer on there that I killed. And then I wish I had the super six deer, but I was like on the ground and, you know, didn't have anybody to film me. So, yeah, but yeah, go to the, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe there. And, uh, guys, I greatly appreciate having me on, man. I appreciate it. Aaron Blisey with the fall podcast. Uh, appreciate your time tonight. Micah, you got anything for him? Nope. We appreciate it, man. All right, man. Aaron, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. We appreciate your time, sir. Greatly. Greatly. That was a great show. Uh, like we said in the intro, a lot of ups and downs to that whole story. It seemed like a lot. Of, it was a lot of ups real quick, and then a lot of downs for a while until it finally went up again. Yeah. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good way to put it. It's like <laughs> it was straight up and then just down, 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 down. Shit down. down. down, down. Yeah, for a while. And then, uh, honestly... Uh, about the best possible ending that he could have hoped for. You know what I'm saying? Because right. the, de- the deer was dead right there where he it was thought dead. it would have been. It or, was cold where enough. Where he saw it last. Yeah, it was cold enough. He was able to, you know, get the meat off of it, whatever the case may be. It had a very happy ending, obviously. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, we appreciate Aaron's time coming on. We we kept him way too late, uh, but we really appreciate that. So Definitely. You got anything else, man? Nah, I'm going to go home and go to bed. Yeah, I think it's time for bed. Yep, yep. So, thank you guys. We'll catch you on you the next one. You got a dad joke? Ooh, damn it. I've been sending Andy some in hopes that he would one day return and say these. I'll, I'll see if I got one ready. Give me a second here. <laughs> the the uh, suspense is palpable. Okay. My friend Joe re- recently went 
on the Dolly Parton diet. How did it work? It really made Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. That's not a joke, though. You just <laughs> read something. Yeah. I, we, we I, need, I laughed way too hard at it. We need <laughs> Jolene. Okay, that is funny. You get but it because Dolly Parton, Jolene? I get it. <laughs> we need Andy back because that wasn't even a joke. It was just a reading. Okay. A, re- a reading from Micah. This is this a reading is a, from the here, book of I, Micah. Here, I got one. This is an old one, apparently. I heard it and thought it was funny. What generation does Forrest Gump belong to? I don't know. Gen A. Gen <laughs> A. Shit, man. No? Is that old? I mean, and he said it was old. Uh, so he sent that to him, and he's like, dude, that's old as shit. I'm like, I never heard it. Forrest Gump joke. <laughs> So, all right, yeah, I'm I'm retiring now. Micah Give says, it. I'm not a smart man, <laughs> but I know what love is. Andy, we need you back, bud. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we'll see you guys later. All right, see you.